0: Before we begin, I would just like to state for the record that today is November 10th, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman. I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, with Jesse Villapondo, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just starting off,
1: when and where were you born? My name is Jesse Villapondo. I was born on July 4th, 1959, in East Chicago, Indiana. All right. And
0: uh, what were your parents' names?
1: My father's Jesse. Uh... I was Jesse Michael. He was plain old Jess as, as he went. Okay. And uh, my mother's uh, name is Rose. Her maiden name was Oria. She was, both parents were born in East Chicago, Indiana as well.
0: Okay. And where was your family from before Indiana?
1: Well, um, again, mom and dad graduated from East Chicago, Washington High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were born and raised in Indiana Harbor in East Chicago. Um, my um, Grandmother on my father's side was uh, born in Mexico. Oh, okay. And uh, she left as part of the uh, revolution. Wow. Down there in Mexico, uh, my uh, grandmother on my mom's side was born in Texas. Hmm, okay. Uh, Laredo, Texas, and um, and then my my grandparents, my grandfather's, unfortunately passed away. In the year I was born. Okay. Yeah. So I never met them that I could recall, sure. and uh, so I don't, I, I don't know as much about them other than the fact, you know, they worked in East Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of their history, mm-hmm. I don't know too much of, of, of uh, my grandpa's history because they were never part of my, my, right. my, my, you know, you know, a practical life. Yeah.
0: Sure. That's interesting, though. Okay. Um, what were your parents' occupations?
1: My father was a, uh, a steel worker, a welder at okay. the Inland Steel. He worked for 38 years at Inland, and then toward the end of his career that he went back to school. He yeah. first got a got bachelor's degree in uh, business, uh, thinking that he would go into management upon retiring as a, uh, as a welder. Uh, then uh, the uh, late 1970s happened, and uh, the steel mills downsized dramatically it was a horrendous time for for you know for us in the steel industry up there in northwest indiana uh, so then he actually after he got his bachelor's degree he went back to school at indiana university northwest in gary and got an education degree okay so when he did retire from the mill in 1988 he uh, taught in the East Chicago public schools for ten years, hmm. and so that was uh, really, you know, um, a dream of his to be able to go back to the community he was raised in, and um, and you know uh, teach. Uh, he taught in the junior high mm-hmm. and one year in high school didn't didn't feel comfortable there, so he came back to junior high to get his ten years in.
0: Wow. Okay, that's interesting. my
1: mother was my mother was a. My mother was yeah. a Classic uh, stay at home mom, okay. uh, full time homemaker, a wonderful mother, you know, the the, whole, the, whole, the core support of the family. Uh, thankfully, she's uh, healthy today. Yeah. And she is 87. Huh. Unfortunately, my dad passed away uh, six months after he retired uh, wow. from teaching, so very sadly. And then we'll be marking the 20, it'll be 23 years now uh, come January. Oh my gosh, Just okay. passing.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you have? Do you have any siblings? Yes,
1: I have three uh, living sisters. Um, two of which live in the Marion County area. Oh, okay. And uh, one of which is in Lake County. Uh, had a uh, my oldest sister uh, uns- uh, sadly passed away when I was a little boy. She was just uh, barely over a year, and so I have memories of her. Uh, but uh, you know, we lost my mom and dad. Lost her. We lost her. And um, you know she's um, only in my memory. Right.
0: Sure. Um, looking back at your childhood, how would you describe it
1: overall? I was. I had a wonderful childhood. My, yeah. my father was a strict disciplinarian. I, I didn't like it uh, growing up, but uh, you know it, it, it took a few years to to recognize you know his methods. He was in the from the military. He was yeah. a Marine Corps. Um, Corporal and, um, uh, and you know he he raised us as if we were you know in the in the military regime um, and but you know he knew what he was doing and I'm grateful for the discipline um, and um, you know he was I was very active in, in, in all kind of you know sports and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I took a particular interest in magic oh wow okay. and that was a major part of my life. Uh, really, uh, you know, through, you know, um, junior high, high school, college, uh, even in law school. I I was widely known, you know, at the Indiana University campus uh, for my magician uh, uh, skills. Wow, okay. And and it it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So, So that really was my single uh, largest endeavor uh, beyond sports because I, I think I was a better magician than I was an athlete.
0: Okay. <laughs> sure, that's that's cool. All right. Uh, who would you say were the most influential people in your childhood?
1: Well, my dad, clearly, yeah. okay, uh, was very, very influential. Um, and, and again, my mom, I, I, I understood that, you know, I always had to stay on keel with my mother. Mm-hmm. If if at all I ever I got uh, out of whack with her, almost immediately when I stepped out of the house, things didn't go right. So at least I learned that <laughs> yeah. early on right. that I always have to be you know in good s- sync with my mom, and mm-hmm. that's been the secret of I think how I've been able to you know uh, you know have a happy life because I sure. I could always go back back home. She always said we. You know, uh, nine seventeen, just two blocks from where I where I live, or we live, is where my mom still lives. And so, uh, they were c- clearly the the um, the biggest influences in, in my in my life. Uh, I always say, though, I grew up at Indiana University mm-hmm. because because of the fact that you know I, 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 my parents were so um, so so conservative and. And I and so I led a you know kind of sheltered life yeah. uh, with you know under great discipline. I, I didn't really have freedom until I went to Bloomington in 1977. And then, wow. Okay? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. How was that adjustment? Yeah.
1: Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I you know I, I I I still say to this day, uh, as much as I you know have only good things about my my home in Griffith. I grew up. At, in Bloomington, mm-hmm. uh, those were the um, four greatest years of my life yeah. uh, as an undergraduate, and uh, you know my, my mentors, of course, were the you know the wonderful wonderful professors uh, at mm-hmm. IU, uh, you know that just just turned my life in, you know into uh, an academic life because until yeah. until then I kind of like skated. Through uh, school, you yeah. know, I just didn't put the effort into it, and um, and I realized early on in Bloomington that uh, if I had continued that kind of mentality of just you know skating mm-hmm. through uh, school, I wouldn't last a semester over there. Yeah. So I I started actually behind. I noticed, uh, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to succeed. So I really I really you know literally. Flicked the switch and buckled down, and yeah. and I caught up, and, and then I you know did very well down in Bloomington uh, from my undergraduate, and uh, but those were the four best years of my life. So all all of my professors, or most of them, you know, were heavy influences on on my career development, and um, uh, you know, and then later, of course, you know, once I got into in, into politics, I had mentors, you know, uh, um, but we could probably talk about that in a few minutes.
0: Yeah, so. sure. Uh, what did you major in? I believe.
1: I was. I started uh, as a telecommunications major. Okay. I again, my my sports uh, interest uh, led me to want to be a sportscaster.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, sure.
1: And uh, and I took the intro class as a freshman. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I learned uh, immediately that you you because. Time in the studio was so so precious, mm-hmm. and the stu- and the and the interest was so high in telecommunications at that at that time 1977, that um, you couldn't get any studio or production classes until you were a junior.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I would have been taking two years of courses without any exposure to what I really wanted to do. Yeah, and I just made a decision early on to say I don't want to wait that long. Yeah. Okay. So. So I, 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 my, my father was involved in politics. He was a precinct committeeman okay. in the Lake County Democratic Party. So I, I started in uh, political science uh, after uh, I decided not to do the telecommunications. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I found a course uh, from um, a buddy of mine of forensic studies. They had no idea what forensics were until I took the intro course, and a guy named Hilliard Trubitt, who was just, just a peach of a man... Uh, down in Bloomington, uh, he, just, he just struck a chord, yeah. and uh, you know he was one of my favorite uh, people—not just professors. He was down earth. He wasn't—he wasn't a scholar, mm-hmm. uh, but he was certainly a practical, yeah. pragmatic person. And he was just a wonderful man. And uh, I, I majored in forensics, primarily based on the intro class, and and I think I I, I know I enjoyed those classes tremendously, and and I and I also. Took a lot of psychology classes. Mm-hmm. In fact, okay. I, yeah. I I had a double major, and I would have had a triple major, with a third being psychology, but for one course. Okay. I didn't take the stats course.
0: Ah. Uh, okay. Because
1: I great point was was the name of the game down there, and I'm not a mathematics <laughs> guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, I, I, I could have had the triple major, but I just shied away from that uh, stats class. But the benefit of all those psychology classes, those mm-hmm. classes, I think. Had a greater impact than any of the political science or forensics mm-hmm. psychology because you're dealing with you know sure. career of people and uh, so much of what um, I learned in the classroom I did was able to apply yeah. you know to the um, to to the real world
0: yeah yeah it sounds psychology. like psychology sounds like you had a really good education that you found incredibly applicable later on in your career so
1: yeah I, I I've you know make a long story short when I went to law school and law school was a whole different can of worms. sure that was a that was not part of the four greatest years of my life <laughs> yeah, you know? I bet. Uh, that, that was a whole that was the most difficult thing I've ever yeah. ever in, uh, yeah. been in, involved in but I, I when I was a judge, for, you know, after I moved from the legislature to the judiciary, I I, I could say that I never considered going to work
2: mm-hmm.
1: because every day on the bench I applied what I learned at the IU School of Law. Yeah. So it wasn't work. Okay. Yeah, sure. So even though I, I you know I struggled like everyone did in law school or like most people did, uh, I know I gained so much uh, experience and knowledge. And, and again, I had so unbelievable. Professors um, mm-hmm. at the IU uh, Law School, and uh, I applied uh, what they taught me. Uh, sometimes to my detriment, yeah. But I certainly um, uh, believed in all the principles that they uh, advocated, and I and I tried to you know apply them in my uh, in my professional life.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Um, so you mentioned your uh, father's involvement in politics. Um, so. What understanding did you have about your, your family's political beliefs growing up?
1: Well my dad was elected precinct committeeman when I was I think in the fourth grade okay and he challenged one of the uh, local power brokers in, in the county mm-hmm. and most people did not give him a chance to win. but my dad was from East Chicago and he, and, and there that's a very politicized city yeah uh, and so he, so he had he grew up. Uh, understanding the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. And because he was young, he was able to, you know, campaign, you know, door to door, literally. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew everyone in in in, in his um, precinct. And uh, he won his first election by four votes. Oh, wow. So that had a powerful uh, impact on me, how, you know, just that small number of votes could could determine uh, not just his uh Path in life, but my arc of my life was, yeah. was going back to that first election uh, when I was in in fourth grade. Uh, so it had a, it had a huge impact on me. So uh, my my involvement with my father was simply as a typical kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he would ask me to hand out materials, and I would enlist some of my buddies from down the street, and and he would pay us what. $0.25 cents or $0.50 cents a block, you know, to hand the materials out. But I also remember him taking me to some of the political events where uh, I remember Hubert Humphrey came in uh, uh, from uh, from Washington when he was, uh, he may still have been vice president. Mm-hmm. He gave a big speech at the uh, Hammond Civic Center that still I can, I can visualize. And of course, I, I met our then-Congressman, uh, Ray J. Madden, at a, a pancake uh, breakfast. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it must have been eight or ten years old and he was a big tall guy and you know but i was so impressed by him because he he gave everyone the time and attention at the moment that yeah before him right he wasn't focused on what was going on around so I, that that was a very important uh um uh, moment and i guess i can still visualize it in the basement of our of our church uh when i met the congressman for the first time The only time i think as well
0: yeah That's cool. Yeah, those experiences can really make an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, What views did you have about the state of Indiana or about being someone from Indiana as a child?
1: Well, uh, you got to remember, I I, I was born in East Chicago. We Mm -hmm. moved to Griffith, which was a small uh, prairie-type community in 1963. Um, You know, we were the fifth house on the block and everything north of us was just prairies. Mm-hmm. So it was even though the town had been there for probably, you know, f- 35, 40 years, everything was, was built south. Okay. And so, you know, we were just a, we were like the fifth house from the main from the main drag. And so everything north of that was brand new. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was a big difference from going from East Chicago, which is a little city. Yeah. A dense city. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to Griffith being Wow, this is a country, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, and and I was four years old when when we moved to Griffith. Now, what was the, what was the question again?
0: Oh, it's just asking about uh, what views you had about oh, the state of Indiana oh, and living well, there. Okay,
1: my point. The reason I bring that up is because and we can get into the details, mm-hmm. but the state of Lake mentality, okay, is 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 like. We know we're different. I didn't grow up a Hoosier mm-hmm. until I went to Bloomington. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's why I'm saying Bloomington was such a major,
2: yeah, major
1: impact on my life. Yeah. Because not until then did I consider myself a Hoosier. Interesting. Okay. Right? I'm from Lake County. hmm Right? The region. Yeah. Right? And we're oriented to Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, So I didn't feel, I mean, yeah, I'd said Indiana, you Mm know, uh, Griffith, Indiana, but Griffith Lake County. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Until I went to Bloomington. So it kind of sounds
0: like then you you really felt like you're part of the Chicago network instead of the Indiana network. No question about it. No Mm -hmm. question about it. Yeah. And how did that shape your, uh, just sort of, your worldview then? Um, going from there to Bloomington where it's
1: totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Okay. Yeah. It, it's like going from a city to a pastoral, you yeah. know, setting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it was, a, it was a shock.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I mean, it was beautiful. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I knew within one week in Bloomington, I was on, I was in the greatest place on earth. Okay. okay? Wow. Heaven. Yeah. Right. But it was a shock. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so, yeah, I I I I was a a mayor uh, Richard J. Daily fan. Mm -hmm. Okay, I I remember reading his a book by a guy named Mike Royko, who uh, was a writer for the Sun Times, who was not a Daily fan, Uh, and he wrote a book called um, Boss. Okay. Okay, and I read that. It's a little paperback book. You know, it's, it, it kind of reminded me when I later got to college, uh, if you ever heard of Machiavelli, mm-hmm. The Prince, yep. is, a, is a small, thin book, okay? Sure. The Boss is similar, you know, in size and, right, and, right. and depth. And, and really, they're kind of written from the same perspective. Okay. This is this is not what they teach you at Indiana University yeah. or, or or you know or any 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 yeah. school. This is how it, this is how the sausage is really getting made, you know, in a political machine environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so yeah, uh, we we had moved out of East Chicago, which I, I later learned is more political than Chicago. Interesting. Okay? Yeah. But I, I didn't learn that until down the road, right? Okay, right. but you could you could see that even though you know you don't under you don't know the details, okay? You you, you get the rhythms of, of of how things operate, okay? Yeah. And and so that's why it was such a shock to come to Bloomington, okay? Because it clearly it was a different ballgame, you know, uh, politically yeah. and uh, uh, you know just uh, culturally particularly. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and. and but one thing Bloomington and, and and the region did share was the diversity. Okay, we're a very diverse community up in Northwest Indiana, and then one of the greatest things about Bloomington is you meet people from all over the world. So that was the yeah. one common denominator. Yeah, that was was the, that I could draw a link between uh, the region and, uh, and and Southern Indiana. So how did uh, your experiences at
0: Bloomington affect your political development?
1: Well, I, I my dad. He didn't push me once I, you know, got out of the house and and, and went to school. Mm-hmm. He just demanded that I get good grades, okay. which I did, and then he kind of backed off. I um, mean, he, he, once he saw that I was working hard um, and 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 producing down there, uh, he I always had their support. I always saw my parents as. As as in the corner in, when I was in in the arena, okay, even in Bloomington, they didn't know what was going on in the day day to day. Yeah. But I always had their support, and I uh, and their support means their financial support, mm-hmm. um, as well as their emotional support, and and, uh, and uh, you, know, you know a lot of emotional support. So they were always they were a factor, you know, throughout my throughout my uh, IU career, uh, and. Um, Again, what was the, the Yeah,
0: just ask you about how uh, yeah your experiences at
1: Indiana Bloomington affected your political mm-hmm. outlook. Okay. The only politics I did mm-hmm. was my dad would send me an absentee ballot. Okay. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Because I always voted in Lake County. Yeah, yeah. Right? He would send me an absentee ballot. I would uh, open it up. I would call back home, and he would tell me who to vote for. Okay? Okay. And then... The next day, I would walk it over to the student union, okay? They have a mail, a mail room at the student union, and I would throw it in the, uh, in the uh, um, mail, and then I would treat myself to a nice meal in the student union. I just did it, if it was election year, twice. Mm-hmm. Once in the primary and once in the general. It's the only time I would eat in that, re- in that, in that restaurant because it was kind of expensive for okay. a college kid. Yeah. But I treated myself to a meal after i voted okay Okay. (laughs) i felt that was real important to do yeah okay but i was not active in um, student government yeah okay i wasn't active in any campaigns Mm -hmm. right um i was a student i was my dad would call me joe college okay because i i just was a classic student uh Two years in the uh, dorms, two years in a fraternity, uh, be, and then I graduated in four years. And and I, you know, I enjoyed so many aspects of IU, from you know the academics to the, the camaraderie, the sports. You know, my senior year in 1981, we won the national title in basketball. Yeah. Had a huge, you know, that was that, that was like you know being a king. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but even 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 football, which was you know not not. Nothing to write about. Okay, right. uh, was still you know an, a good an excuse to get together and, and tailgate and 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 spread out at that stadium because it was never crowded. You can get a ticket for a, sure. for a football game, but it was a camaraderie that uh, yeah. was important. But I I was I did not consider myself a political activist. I was a pure student, just totally uh, cream and crimson. Uh, Indiana University, yeah. uh, cl- but a classic student, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in other words, I did, I had no responsibility. Yeah. Outside <laughs> yeah. of school. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So I was like, you know, you know, heaven. Yeah. For, for four years. Yeah. At Bloomington.
0: Yeah. No, that's kind of like the the stereotypical college experience then, and yeah.
1: Stereotypical college experience. That's yeah. why you called me Joe College. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, Describe a little bit about your employment history after
1: college. Yeah, well, 30, is it 30, 38 years ago, in about two weeks, three weeks, November 29th, it was toward the end of the the day, and one of my roommates uh, told me a guy named Peter Kadick called, something about a job, Hmm. all right? I met him one time. I was doing a magic show at a function, uh, and he was a state rep, Yeah, he was there, you know, and he talked afterwards. That was it, okay? Yeah. Um, so when I went back to the house, I, uh, another roommate says, your mom just called. She's very excited, okay, very excitable. So I was of a concern about that, yeah. okay? So I called my mom first. And my mom is excitable. She said, I just heard it on WJOB radio. You're a candidate for state representative. And I said, she said it not, as, not flat like that. I mean, Correct. She said it excitable. Yeah, yeah. And I said, What did you say? Remember, I'm in Bloomington.
2: Yeah.
1: Late November means final start the next week, right? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. When the guy says Pete Kadik talking about a job, I knew he was the state rep. Right. But he had just been elected judge in Hammond. Okay. So he would soon leave the legislature to become judge. I thought, since I'm in my third year of law school, it might be a job related to his new new position as judge. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Right, right. And a law clerk or a public defender, or whatever. I used to work in the prosecutor's office mm-hmm. during the summertime. So, remember the first message was to call Pete Kadick. So, after I hung up the phone with my mother, I says, Pete, Mr. Kadik, what are you talking about? And, he, and then he, he says, quiet. What do you think? What do I think? What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> now, behind the scenes, that I didn't know about is my dad was working in the mill. Yeah. And he, they heard the, you know, they, they, they got the radio on over there. Okay. And so everyone thought it was him because we got the same last name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, Pete Kadic, without any contact with me, no authorization. No contact with my father, okay? He did it on his own. What? He floated my name out on WJOB, a guy named Larry Peterson, who was the midday you know, uh, radio guy, okay? And then, and then Larry Peterson repeated over and over again every hour that um, you know, when Pete Cady retires, there's going to be a, a Jesse Villapondo from Griffith, Indiana, who's going to um, run for the seat without, without talking to us. What? That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> so, did he ever give a reason why? Very good. I was <laughs> I was in a wait to see if he asked why. Yeah. Because he had a reason why. Okay. And this is what he said. He full, you know, he he was a state rep for five years, and he knows how politicized things are. According to Pete, these are Pete's words. He says he didn't want Hatcher. Mayor of Gary, to pick his successor, okay? Hmm,
0: okay.
1: He wanted to have some influence in who was going to succeed him, okay? And not leave it to the political power brokers up in Lake County. Yeah. Okay? That's what he told me, all right? Okay. <laughs> but my dad, when he first heard it, wasn't so happy, okay? Because he, I'm 24 years old. Yeah, right? yeah. No, no political experience. Remember, I'm a pure student. Right? Yeah. And and. He didn't want me to get, you know, chewed up in, in, in the grinding of Lake County, Yeah. you know, running a campaign that I, you know, didn't know anything about, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I never had gone to the General Assembly. I never had any exposure beyond what I told you. Hello, Congressman. I enjoyed Hubert Humphrey. Obviously, you know, I, I, was, I was following the 1980 election mm-hmm. with Jimmy Carter, on Reagan, Uh, You know, I remember when Birch Bike got defeated, you know, uh, those big, those big events. Yeah. Okay. But that's it. Right. So to beat, to to go from that to you're a candidate for public office when you're in law school, 200 miles away. Okay. For a district in East Chicago, Gary, Hammond, Griffith, 200 miles to the north. Right. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, the next day Pete was coming down to the state capitol all right and he wanted to meet. So I drove up from Bloomington and we went to the uh, press club across the street from the uh, state capitol. Then it was on the top floor okay and it had a beautiful view of the state capitol. Now it's in the basement okay I won't forget the first time I actually the second time I met Katie, but told you the first time. We sat at the top, had a couple drinks. There were a few legislators he introduced me to. And he, he, he says, you know, you can win this. And I said, wh- how? Okay. He says when he resigns, and he was there that day to tender his resignation to the governor. Okay. And the moment he did that, the clock starts for his replacement. By state statute, 30 days, the Democratic precinct committeemen of the district gather and will elect a successor to fill out his term. Mm-hmm. Okay, an appointed position for that for that for that year remaining in term.
2: Yeah,
1: and 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 he thought that if 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 you you know worked it. Okay, you can get support. I mean, there's only, there was like 117 precinct commitment back then in the, in the, in the right. 12th district, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's not like, you know, thousands of voters, mm-hmm. right? These are all people like my dad, yeah. okay? And, you know, he says, you know, you, your dad can swing the Griffith vote, okay? And he thought he could swing the Hammond vote, right? But he also knew that we'd have to go see, you know, Mayor Bob Pastrick in East Chicago and Mayor Hatcher and Gary. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what he told me. He didn't want, you know, Hatcher and Pastrick, you know, putting one of their hacks in, in, into the yeah. legislature. Okay? That was his rationale. All right? Yeah. Well, you know, I says, Pete, finals exams start next week. Okay? I mean, it's not like, you know, I, I was sitting at home doing right. nothing, right? <laughs> I was buried yeah. in law school. Yeah, yeah. Right? Fine. And, and if you know, in law school, it's one exam... For each course, that's it. Yeah, that's everything right. rides on the la- on, on the exam. Yep. There's no quizzes. There's no student participation. One exam determines your whole grade. So you, you can't have an off day, right? Yep. <laughs> you you can't be you know you know you know you know being out the night before you know and, and and taking the exam the next day. No, that doesn't fly in law school. Right. How am I gonna do this? He wanted to know my exam schedule. I had a fortuitous exam, exam schedule that semester. I had, they covered two weeks, and I had an exam on Friday and Saturday, and then Thursday and Friday. Okay. okay. So he says, well, here's what you do. You take your, you take your exams in your first week, and that, and that sad. after your exam, you go back home and, and we're going to make the rounds. And then you make, then we're making the rounds until whenever you got to take your next exam on Thursday. And so I took my Friday and Saturday exams, went back home, and my dad still wasn't sold on this. Yeah. Okay? Because he said, he was afraid that I wasn't going to finish law school. Mm-hmm. Right, he says, you got to make me a promise. You got to finish your law degree. And I says, absolutely. And I says, I says, Dan, what I've had to put up with for two and a half years to get to this point, I will never walk away from. Okay? Yeah. It was the most difficult experience of my life. Three years of law school. Yeah. And to and to, and to not complete it. Was, was, not, was not gonna happen. Correct, okay? right, right. So once he was convinced that I was gonna finish my degree, if I was successful, I would take a leave of absence, okay? Um, and I would go, I would finish. He says, okay, when are you gonna file? Wow, he turned like that. Yeah. Right? So, first stop was to our, our city chairman, okay? The second stop was to see Mayor Pastrick, right, in East Chicago. Now, Mayor Pastrick had met me before. Mm -hmm. He had met me one time when I was the entertainment, (laughs) okay? (laughs) This plays a role. Yeah, yeah. I was performing at the East Chicago Yacht Club. Okay. Right on Lake Michigan. And my finale was my uh, seven-foot guillotine, Okay? And I needed a volunteer. And I asked Mayor Pastrick. Now I'm a senior in high school. Okay? In 1977. Yeah. Mayor Pastrick is my volunteer. I asked him to kneel down, put his head in the guillotine. Right? Oh, my (laughs) gosh. The place is going nuts. Okay? And Pastrick had the best line. He says, you don't know how many times people have wanted me to be in this exact position right before the blade comes down. Okay? So how could he forget me, right? After right. that?
2: Right? Yeah.
1: So we're meeting them for the second time. We're talking about the you know, the Magic Act from, you know, yeah. what was that, seven years earlier, right? And and he doesn't give me a commitment, okay? Because he wants me to go see Mayor Hatcher. Okay. All right. So, okay. So I remember They had an event at the Gary um, Genesis Center, and uh, I was told to uh, be there at a certain time. Don't be late, and you're going to visit with Mary Hatcher. And uh, I got there at the appointed time, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited for more than three hours. Okay. <laughs> Right. Finally, when he's finished with this event, okay, he could he he, yeah. he the event was over. He, they didn't. He could have taken five minutes, right? Right. And you know, while people are eating or whatever, no. I waited for three hours. Then he doesn't. He's not alone. He's with our congresswoman, mm, okay. Katie Hall, at the time, former senator had been elected Congress in a similar election in terms of it wasn't a general election. It was Congressman um, Adam Benjamin right. died in office. And then it was not the precinct commitment. It was a couple of county chairmen and, and this, you this, know, it was a couple of power brokers selected Katie Hall to complete the term. But now in 84, she's up for her own term. So Hatcher wanted to make sure that he was building support for Katie Hall, and so Hatcher was very polite, okay, but very direct. Okay, he said, uh, "We we want to encourage uh, young people, particularly Hispanic uh, uh, like yourself, Jesse, going to school." He said all the right things, right? Mm-hmm. We want to help them, and I can support you on one condition: I need you when you are re- when you after you get elected to endorse Congressman Hall. Okay, she was sitting right there. She said very little other than, the This is Hatcher's running the show here. Okay, and I says, and I and and I had no idea what to say except, my father drilled in my head because he knew he knew I was going out there. He says, "Whatever you do, don't make any commitments." get involved in any other race mm-hmm. okay yeah so that's so I basically parroted what my dad told me okay
2: mm-hmm.
1: now remember I'm there for three hours yeah so when I get home okay my dad's really agitated okay because he thinks I've been with Hatcher for three hours yeah okay who knows what's happening yeah. exactly yeah alright yeah. and he he refuses to I says dad I told him what you told me, word for word. Yeah. Okay. And he, he doesn't believe me. He says, "How could you just say that and be there for three hours, three and a half hours now?" Okay. <laughs> so I, I was I was appalled because yeah. he didn't believe me. Yeah. All right. But he just didn't understand that I was waiting for three hours right. and I had fifteen minutes with him. okay? Right. So I remember Hatcher. You know, he was unhappy, but he was. He was professional, okay? Yeah. His talk is very, very soft spoken, gentlemanly professional, okay? Yeah. But he, he didn't get what he wanted, all right? So, I have no commitments, right? In
2: mm-hmm.
1: Chicago. Why don't we talk to Hatcher? I talked to Hatcher. Didn't I give Hatcher what he wanted? So I really got nothing. Wow! So now I'm going back to Bloomington. Driving out of the driveway, my sister runs out of the house. Okay, just catches me, barely catches me. It's Mayor Pastrick. <laughs> okay, put the car in forward, park the car, grab the phone. I don't know. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But he says, we're going to support you. And when he says we, he's talking his organization. Yeah. in chicago Now, that's kind of a nice way to travel for two and a half, three and a half hours to go to Bloomington, right? <laughs> with, that, with that in the back yeah. of your head? Yeah. Now, took my two exams, came back, all right? The day of the election was December 19th, 83. And the phone was ringing off the hook because people were trying to get their hooks into me. Mm-hmm. So that day, all I did was write Christmas cards. I ignored the phone. My sister answered all the phone calls, took the messages. I didn't return a single one.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Because they were reacting to, you know, the word from Pastor, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Pastor calls again. And... He tells me, I want you to call Richard Hatcher again. All right? And, okay, where's the number? I call Hatcher. This time, he picks up the phone. All right? No secretary, no waiting. All right? Asks me the same question. Well, I'm going to give him the same answer. Okay? Again, no. No, nothing uncivil. Right. The guy's a perfect gentleman. Yeah. Right? But we've already been through this. Right? Yeah. hangs up the phone, right? Go to the county government center where the vote is. And Pastor runs up to me. And he, he doesn't run up to me. He, he meets me and yeah. he just, did you make your phone call? And I said, yeah. I was going to tell him he wasn't interested, Okay. In the details. Mm-hmm. Did you make the phone call? Yeah. He walked away. All right. So I I, I don't know, you know, what's going on. <laughs> We're on the stage, seven candidates, all right. There's some heavyweight candidates. One was a, a lawyer mm-hmm. who was a former priest. Okay was he he marched with Martin Luther King. Mm. He got shot marching with Martin Luther King. Okay? He was in his mid-40s, right? He wanted, he he thought he was the most qualified. He was, right? There were other strategic people put in, right? Yeah. I'm sitting there minding my own business and all of a sudden, this is before the vote, okay? One of the candidates announces he's withdrawing. As he comes behind me, he whispers in my ear, congratulations, and he walks out. Okay? (laughs) This is before the votes. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Well, I don't win on the first ballot. Okay. I win on the second ballot. Okay. Okay? And... I remember walking to the corner of the room where my dad was, and the first words I said to him is, I have no idea what I'm getting involved in. All right? Yeah. 24 years old, right? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I'm already enrolled to go back to Bloomington, in January, right? yeah. I mean, I paid paid the tuition. You know, have a have a house. You know, like everything. Got my. You know, I don't have got my books yet, but you know, I'm ready. To go. Right now, right. I'm not going to Bloomington, right? Yeah. So, Pete Kadic says, "Now you owe me. <laughs> owe you, yeah." <laughs> he was trying to take credit for my for my election, right? right? He says. After you get sworn in at the state capitol I want you to perform a magic show on the house floor. And I says you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> you're nuts, right? He says I'm dead serious. Right? They're going to love it. I says you're nuts. And he keeps bending my ear twisting my arm, right? And he convinces me that We're going to do a magic strike. I says, wait wait a minute. Are they going to, is this allowed? He says, okay, we'll get permission from the speaker, and I'll I'll handle that. So so on New Year's Day, we're at his law office practicing because he's my assistant, okay, makeshift assistant, right? (laughs) And so we're doing the magic routines in his office, all right? And then we go to a couple of bars to, to practice in front of a live audience, okay? <laughs> because yeah, he wanted he, he to feel confident, right? Okay. Now, I don't tell my parents because I know if I tell my dad, yeah. they shut it down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need to be, you know, be pulled, right? Right. So it's a secret, just he and I. But he gets permission from the speaker, uh, Jay Roberts Daly, at that time. And I don't think he was a real, you know, he's kind of a, dower. he was kind of a, you know, straight-laced kind of yeah. a dower, typical. Right. He says, really? You want to do this, Pete? Everyone will love it. He's great, okay? So, anyway, I get sworn in. It's all, that's solemn, okay? And then Pete Kate goes to the microphone and he, you know, he says, you're going to you're gonna enjoy the, the Representative Villapondo because he's, among many things, a very talented magician. Okay, and people are half paying attention, half not, right? And all of a sudden, go ahead, Jesse. The stage is yours on the house floor. Now it's turned silent, okay? Because everyone, what the heck's going on here, right? My sister, when I pulled out this bag and an umbrella, she started panicking, right? Because she would help me with Mm -hmm. with this, okay? She thought I was going to call her up Oh, yeah. To be the assistant for this, okay? Yeah. My parents didn't know what was going on, right? Oh, she didn't know what was going on. She said, no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay? Well, Pete was the assistant, right? Okay? Yeah. So we performed two things on, a ma- on the floor of the house. Turns out, we got back to the hotel. That was the lead on every television station in Minneapolis.
0: Oh, my God. The magic
1: show on the house floor, okay? The next day in the newspaper, Above the fold in an Apple Star, right? Every paper in the state, including the Indiana Daily Student in Bloomington. So, two days later, when I go to this, back to the law school to tell the professors that I'm not coming back, uh, Jesse, we already know, right? They, get, they bring out the newspaper, I'm on the front page before I magic. The headline was IU Law Student. Magically appears in house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That was my introduction. Wow. To the Indiana General Assembly.
0: Wow. That is pretty... Wild. So, yeah, there's a few, a few things come to mind about that. I mean, that's... almost seems like magic... Your ability to perform magic tricks is what got you into the General Assembly in the first place because Kadic was interested in your magic, I guess, and... Do we even know the specific reason about why he thought that you would be good besides his experience interacting with you at the magic show? or Well, he,
1: I was 24. Yeah. And I think he was 23 when he first was elected. Okay. So the age was common age. Yeah, yeah. Okay? My dad supported Pete.
2: Uh, okay. Right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, he always counted on my dad to deliver his precinct for, for Katie. Mm-hmm. So those two factors in addition to the magic. <laughs> wow. It's
0: also interesting, though, is the. Uh, and I guess this would be probably surprising for a lot of people, is just seeing all the different political factions and how complex it is to get all these people aligned to back you in order to improve your chances of winning an election um, in the first place. Well,
1: again, uh, politics is uh, uh, a game of addition. Yeah. Okay? But Hatcher boycotted. The vote. Mm, okay. The Gary delegation did not even go to the caucus, mm-hmm. okay? Which was an advantage, all right? Okay,
0: yeah.
1: Because I wasn't going to get their support, right. right? They
0: won't support someone else. Right. Yeah.
1: They didn't support anybody else. Yeah. So, as much as I thought, you know, that's strange, okay? Yeah. I didn't realize that was actually a benefit. Yeah. So. Uh, Hatcher and I, we uh, we got along over the course of his mayorship, and then um, his daughter became an attorney. She's now in the legislature. She is mm-hmm. sitting right next to where I was back oh, in wow. the day. And um, when she came into court, you know, we never had a problem, and Mayor Hatcher and I had a very cordial political mm-hmm. relationship, and I think he appreciated, at least I was honest with him.
0: Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, you know, looking back at sort of your introduction into the General Assembly and getting involved in politics, did you th- think Do you think that was a good process to, uh, um, I mean, sort of have to align with all these people and negotiate kind of behind the scenes before you run to make sure you get enough backing? I mean, obviously you were kind of thrown in it, so you didn't really, you didn't like enter willfully basically as some other candidates might have. Do you feel like the process was overly complicated to run for the General Assembly, yeah. or do you think that was just part was, of the course?
1: It was 19 days. It was a whirlwind. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, I took four exams in mm-hmm. that period of time. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like I was doing this 100%. Yeah. I had to focus my take my exams, pass my classes, <laughs> uh, and then traveling back and forth. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a, a, a whirlwind of 19 days of, yeah. of, of uh I must have got maybe five hours of sleep, you know, during uh, each night because I was just either campaigning or studying.
0: Yeah. Wow. Were you the youngest member in the General Assembly? At the sibling? time, yeah, yeah, I was 24. Wow. That is that's pretty wild. I, I don't think I've heard a, quite a story like that of someone getting involved that way. That, that's pretty unique. Um, wow. Okay. Fascinating. Um uh, Pivoting a little bit before we get into the specifics of your career in the General Assembly, um, when did you get
1: married? Well, uh, about two weeks after I was initially sworn in, which was uh, January fourth, nineteen eighty four, um, or I think actually I think the week after that. You know, um, I'm preparing for the primary election. Because Mm -hmm. all along I knew that this was just a one-year term.
2: Yeah, yeah. That if I'm going to win
1: and keep the job, I've got to run in the primary Mm -hmm. and in the general, okay? So the very first weekend I'm home, my dad's got a schedule for me to start meeting people, okay? And one of the names on the list was a steelworker friend of his, Mm -hmm. a guy named Art Torres, and so, uh, I think on a Saturday night, January, my dad and I tr- go to East Chicago, and we are meet Mr. Torres, okay, who's, uh, I mean, he has 19 brothers and sisters, okay, Okay. most of them live in East Chicago. Right. So right there, there's a lot of votes there. Yeah, that's okay? right. A lot of connections. <laughs> right there, you know, <laughs> right off the bat, right? All right. But... Uh, I met his wife, okay, and they introduced me to a young lady, their daughter, okay? And, you know, she was a very attractive young lady, caught my eye. Um, I don't think she thought much of me, you know, in that first experience. I think she thought I was a little, you know, conceited, you know, full of myself, a little maybe... Extra confident, okay? Mm-hmm. I remember, I'm just coming off an election, you know?
0: Right, from, yeah.
1: Feeling pretty good about myself, sure, yeah. right? And she picked. She more than picked that up, right? Um, I don't know what, how I initially f- circled back, but I called her back up to help me in my campaign. Because, again, every weekend mm-hmm. I was meeting individuals, going to group events, House parties, because there was a big congressional race. Remember Katie Hall, right? Well, she 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 had, she was appointed too, right? She hadn't been before the voters,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that drew a lot of attention. Our prosecutor, Jack Crawford, was a favorite in that race, even though she was the incumbent. And I, I, I nobody by the name of Peter Viskovsky was also a candidate, and. So this was, this was heavy-duty politics yeah. for a congressional race that was... I wasn't in an open seat, but it was it was an, an appointed incumbent, so with no strong ties, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, Crawford was probably the favorite. So my point is, there was all these political events to go to because that was driving the show, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: We were all on the same circuit, in other words. We were just going from yeah. one event to the other, meeting as many people... And Liz Torres was... They always told me never go out alone. Okay, mm-hmm. have have at least one person, if not more, as part of your entourage. Yeah. Okay. So, again, during the session, I'm down in Annapolis, but I realize that if I am going to be remaining here, I've got to get elected on my own. Yeah. So I'm immediately campaigning. Yeah. Right? And Liz is part of my entourage. Yeah, certainly wasn't the only one, right? And it was, you know, I, I, I she wasn't the only, you know, young lady helping me. Right. I, I right. had to go throughout, you know, a very complex district: East Chicago, Gary, Hammond, Griffith, Kaima Township. Right. hmm Very diverse. So you know, I had to have, you know, I had to have a diverse uh, group of uh, of assistants out there with me on the campaign trail. Yeah. But obviously, you know, she was a it was she was a natural. Why? Just like me, she grew up in a political family. Her mm. father had her passing out the stuff. She, she I, I always say, she got she was more involved in politics at an earlier age than me.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it turns out that you know she's she's willingly helping me as others are, and then you know to make a long story short, I I am successful in that primary, mm-hmm. and uh, then I you know have to go back to school. Okay, and finish up. Actually, I transferred to Indianapolis uh-huh. because yeah. I, I want to be closer to home when I'm going home each weekend to campaign for sure. the general. Okay, okay. so the you know, people in Bloomington and Indianapolis were very, very accommodating. You know, which made uh, transferred over. And then once, once I, once I get elected, okay, uh, you know, once the pressure is kind of off, then we began dating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, after the politics, after the business was over. But we were on and off like any, any young mm-hmm. couple, and then in 1987, I proposed, and then we waited for a, about 13 months, which was good, it was all good, mm-hmm. and we got married on July 2nd, 1988. So it was four and a half years, okay, mm-hmm. from the time I met her to the time, you know, we married yeah. in East Chicago, you know, four and a half years later.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, wow. So, yeah, lots of uh, moving parts here in in your life.
1: Jeez. Um,
0: Do you have any children?
1: Yes, Uh, Elizabeth gave me the the greatest gift Uh, any woman can give any man: two healthy children, boy and a girl, Uh, healthy, intelligent, ambitious. Uh, We're very proud of our children. My son is going to be thirty in January. And my daughter will be 28 in February.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, my son lives in Milwaukee and my daughter in Chicago.
0: Oh, okay. Sure. Um, let's see. Um, when you first got into the General Assembly, um, who would you say were some of your mentors? Good. Yeah. Well, just, just to show you how green I was. Okay? Yeah. How
1: i ha- I have to use the word unprepared mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> right? sure I was startled with how partisan the general assembly was okay? Mm, okay because again, lake county, right Lake county, and I got to know this you know better than I in granular detail over a period of years yeah okay but even then 24 it's a democratic county right Hmm. but the republicans really are running the show okay mm. they perp yeah it took me a long time to understand how that really worked yeah because, it, because it's not apparent right right here it was like war zone <laughs> yeah. right yeah up there yeah. it's all rigged mm-hmm. right it's all you know right <laughs> everyone's buddy buddy yeah right yeah not down here not, not in general assembly yeah secondly okay alright it's different you know based on partisanship secondly the committee says committees uh setups, even though we had, I think, 42 members out of the 100, Mm -hmm. we didn't chair any of the committees, okay? I didn't know that one of the fundamental rules of organization is the majority party chairs every committee, has majorities in every committee. It's all controlled, okay? Right? Yeah. In a very partisan way. So, I mean, that was the shock. Because it was, you know, everything up there is all, it's all, it's an old boys club, Mm -hmm. as I understood it. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, once I realized this is a different setup here, okay? You're living in, now, two different worlds. So I always considered my service. The General Assembly and Lake County. Separate and distinct. Mm -hmm. I had to straddle two worlds. Okay? Right? Now, thankfully, I had wonderful mentors, okay? First and foremost, of course, is our leader at the time, minority leader. He eventually became speaker Michael K. Phillips from Boonville.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? But the most influential member that I learned of the committee structure was a representative from Lebanon, John Donaldson, Republican, chairman of the Judiciary Committee.
2: Okay.
1: He was my, I learned so much from him. And in a way, after a few years, he treated me almost like an adopted son, okay? Wow, yeah. Because he knew how much I respected him. He was a big IU basketball fan, okay? All right. And I, you know, I learned from him. And there were guys like John Thomas, his right hand, from Brazil, okay? Mm-hmm. There was, a not, I call him my favorite Republican, John Keeler from Indianapolis, okay? These guys were the core of the Judiciary Committee. They were smart. They were, they were legislators, okay? It wasn't partisan. Mm. That was one of the few committees yeah. where they didn't want the judicial business to be just DNR, Okay. So it was a breath of fresh air to go to the Judiciary Committee where it wasn't just partisan politics mm-hmm. like it was in the Education Committee, like it was in the Ways and Means yeah. Committee, okay? Yeah. A Labor Committee, right? A straight politics, to heart, you know, DNR politics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Donaldson always wanted things to come out bipartisan. And so that had a tremendous impact on me. And so years later, when I became chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I ran the committee exactly the same way, okay? I developed his subcommittee structures. I wanted to make sure it had buy-in from both parties Yeah. as a consequence. I don't think I ever had a bill leave my committee that ever got defeated on the floor of the House. Wow. Because I had built-in support from the outset by being bipartisan in committee.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you mentioned Lake County politics being so different. Can you describe some of the ins and outs of why Lake County politics is so different than the General Assembly? Oh, gosh. <laughs>
1: Well, well. Part of it is the composition. Okay. It's it's. It's very diverse. Mm -hmm. But at the very top, it's not diverse. Okay. Right. Mm Hmm. So, how do the people at the top? control a very diverse community, okay? I've always called it two pyramids. There's the political pyramid, Mm -hmm. and then there's the business pyramid, right? Yeah. And I always saw them as completely, completely distinct. Okay. Right? except at the top. At the very top of the political pyramid and the business pyramid, there is there is communication, okay? Mm-hmm. But at all the, you know, middle levels, lower levels, they, you know, they might have be been a foreign country, okay? Okay. In other words, they don't want people getting together. Mm-hmm. Keep everyone distinct, distrusting each other, okay? okay? only the boys at the top you know yeah. get together okay right and so the boys at the top you know are able to you know develop a common agenda mm-hmm. right and then it's command and control mm-hmm. right and there's no communication between you know the people you know in the in, in the minions okay okay yeah and that's strategic okay yeah. right? Keep everyone, you know, in, in their own corners. We don't want them to over overthrow the you know, the establishment, right. right? Yeah. So that's I've never seen any of that anywhere else. Okay. Right? Um, and 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 that's really how you know that's how you know. There's a there's minority politics that doesn't exist anywhere else, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how they they. They control things. They pick the leaders of mm. the various blocks. Okay. Okay? And they expect those leaders to follow the command from on top. Wow. Yeah. Right? And sometimes those leaders are following the commands and not what the people really want. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problems start.
2: Interesting.
0: And it sounds like this was uh, must must have been some like long-established hierarchy that existed for years that is, yeah, this is so it's a, ingrained it's, it's in it. It's a political machine yeah. adopted
1: from the Chicago yeah. that outlived Chicago.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Um, let's see. When it came to uh, your expectations for the legislative process, was it more complicated than you expected, or did you have a pretty good idea of what... What it was be like? Or? I had no idea
1: what it was. Okay. Like. So I learned. Fortunately, you know, I was in in a at an age where I law student. I was, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was able to pick things up quickly. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just you're just you're just a, a sponge at 24. Okay? Sure. And and I and I found it so interesting, and I enjoyed the people. Right. So I was really quiet in committee. Mm-hmm. I was watching what was going on. What? Because I, I, had I started from such a low knowledge base to sure. begin with.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I had so much to pick up. Uh, so once you know, and it's purposely confusing. Mm-hmm. I remember you know having reporters who were new to the General Assembly, okay, and I was already years in, in in the system. Mm-hmm. They were totally confused, totally confused of what goes on in state house.
2: Yeah,
1: particularly at the end of the session right? And I remember telling my, before I, before I had a full grasp of why things operate the way they do in the General Assembly,
2: yeah.
1: I had a, when I became a lawyer, one of the partners in the law firm was a former legislator, Richard Lesniak. Mm-hmm. So he spent four years down here. So he kind of knew, he knew the system. Yeah. And I remember says one time, Rich, you know, I was in probably my third year. So I hadn't mastered everything. I remember telling him, says, you know, we could do this in two weeks, three weeks tops, right? Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed like the name of the game was the conference committees, right? Yeah. Why can't we just go to the conference committees? Okay. Yeah. It's like it's like the NBA playoffs, right? right? They play they play eighty two <laughs> games and then have the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get it on the playoffs, yeah. right? And he looked uh, at me. He said, Jesse. You don't get it, okay? okay? Okay. Once he said that, there is a reason why
2: mm-hmm.
1: you have all this committee stuff and going back and forth for yeah. you know for three months, and then and then it's game on the mm-hmm. last two weeks, yeah. right? It just takes a while to figure it, to figure out. It's and, and no one really, you know, there's no book, right? right? I mean, you got to yeah. learn this on on, on the fly. Yeah, and it took me it it took me three years. Mm. Thankfully, even though you know we, we were getting beat up every day, I was in the minority, mm. right? Thankfully, that's how you learn your lessons. Yeah, right. You don't really. I'm sure you learn in the majority, right? But I, one of my one of my favorite friends from Lake County, his first two years in the Senate, mm. they were in they were in the, in the majority. First yeah. two years. Those two years, most of his bills passed. For the rest of his career, they were in the minority. So he didn't realize how good he had it until after he was in the minority. Right. he was just the opposite. I got my head beat in, you know, for five years. But I learned. So when we there. had the first 50-50 in 88, mm-hmm. yep. and then ultimately we got control in, after the 90 election... I operated just like the Republicans. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't reinvent the wheel. Right. Right. Uh, my my practices were just like them, and in the judiciary, I tried to be as nonpartisan as possible, just like they were. Okay. Mm-hmm. But everything else is partisan. Mm-hmm. Hardball. Yeah. And so, so be it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so. Basically, it sounds like through yeah, most of your career, it was, you know, the, the relationship between Democrats and Republicans, but beyond the judiciary stuff was pretty hard-nosed, I guess. Very.
1: Yeah. Very hard-nosed. And, uh, but you know, hey, that's, that's, the, the, my I yeah. always said, uh, life yeah. is cold, cruel, and mean, all right? Yeah. So, you know, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but, 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 here's what was nice. We could, we could fight on the floor, mm-hmm. okay? And just really, you know, beat heads. And then at the end of the day, we can literally have a drink in the bar, watch the ball game on television, go to Bloomington to watch the basketball game, Mm -hmm. okay? Together. Mm -hmm. So the camaraderie was terrific in my early years. Mm, Okay. Okay? Yeah, okay. Early years. Yes, emphasis there, yeah. It changed. Yeah. And now when I see, when I go back there, It's, I can't, I can I can't recognize it. Mm -hmm. It's, there's a stiffness that, that didn't exist when I was there. Except for a month ago when I went to a reunion of legislators. Yeah. Association of, um, uh. Armiga. Armiga. Yeah. Uh, And it was wonderful. But because we're all out. Right. Yeah. No pressure. No politics. Everyone's first name. It was wonderful. Yeah. That's kind of how it was socially in those early years. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. You can fight cat, cats and dogs. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're sitting down there having a drink or, or having a meal or watching a game t- together. And then you go back at it tomorrow. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll never forget that. And it was a very, very valuable experience that I tried to carry on and the rest, the rest of my professional career, that no matter how much we were at odds politically, you know, that, that, that's, that when, the, when the whistle stops, mm-hmm. okay, stop, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and try to get to know people, mm-hmm. and because, you know, you have a common constituency, right? You've got yeah. different views. Yeah.
0: So I guess over time then, during your service in General Assembly, it just became politics even outside of the political arena then? Or, like, because things became worse over time, it sounds like, as you said, in the early years.
1: You see, here's here's, here's, here's the, the dynamic as I see it. Yeah. When I came in, the Republicans ran the show. Yeah. Okay? They had the governor, had the Senate, had the House. Yeah. Then Evan Biden comes onto the scene, mm-hmm. right? He gets elected Secretary of State. In that election, I think that was the 86 election. We went from 39 to 48. So we gained a lot yeah. in that one election. Yeah. In 88, when he ran for governor, that's when we got the 50-50. Okay. Right? That 50-50 was a good thing. It was what we called it the Noah's Ark House. Mm. Because if you, re- if you remember, others have told you, in 88, which is the first time in the history of the state, there was a 50-50 General Assembly in the House. Yeah. There was no mechanism. There's no, you know, President Pro Tem breaks the tie yep. in Washington. Yeah, so we came. So we came to organize on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Organization usually is what, half an hour. Mm-hmm. But that year, fifty Republicans, fifty Democrats, no precedent. Okay. Tuesday turns into Wednesday, right? Wednesday. Turns into Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're still down here fighting about how we're gonna uh, operate the house. I remember I called my wife Wednesday night and said, yeah, hey, I'm not, I'm not coming home yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what she did? After work, she was working at a miracle. she drove to the show the state capitol, right? We're still in session at like three in the morning on Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Right? From Tuesday. And finally, at around what? Finally about midnight, the obvious solution, right? Mm -hmm. Noah's house. Noah's Ark's house. Yeah. We're going to have two speakers. Each committee will have two chairmen. The committees will be evenly divided. The speakers will alternate. One day it's a Democratic speaker at the podium. Next day it's a Republican speaker. Alternates, okay? Okay. That was the only viable solution. Yeah. Why it took you know you know right. how many hours? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The people were well served. Yeah. But here is the dynamic. The next election was important because redistricting in '91, we won control.
2: Hmm.
1: And then for most of the '90s, absent the New Gingrich landslide in '94, we had control of the House for all but two of those years. That changed the larger political dynamic, mm. right because remember when I started Republicans ran the show, right? The Republicans we would joke when they win the minority mm-hmm. they weren't very good at it, right mm-hmm. They were used to running the show,
2: yeah, right? So when they're in a the minority,
1: they you know we were like professionals in the minority, Democrats mm-hmm until so we got control, then we had to learn how to be the majority. We had the advantage of that 50-50 house, yeah. okay? Because, you know, I worked with Richard Bray, who was Courts and Criminal Code chairman, I was chairman, we were both chairman. Right. right. It was better to start in the 50-50 than if we had control just like that, okay? Yeah. So we got practice, in other words. Sure. But as we, kept, as we asserted more control, right over the over the the 90s right and Republicans you know they weren't too happy right and a lot of that camaraderie crumbled mm. you see it was it was a change from everyone knew that they were running the show to they're not used to being you know out of mm-hmm. out of power and that affected the social aspect of the house
0: that's interesting so
1: um do you think
0: there was any impact sort of trickling down from the, from national politics that also influenced it? Or is it mostly just a state issue of the Republicans being so used to power and then realizing this isn't fun, we can never let this happen again?
1: Here's how I'm going to... I mean, use was an issue. Okay. Education. Yeah. When I started, education, you know, is 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 politics because there's so much money involved. Sure. Right? But... Believe me, I always believed in the beginning of my service. It was nonpartisan politics, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone's got schools in their district, and everyone wants good public schools. So even though it was it was about control over how, of some of the nuances, the details of education policy, everyone wanted their schools funded, okay, mm-hmm. regardless of political party. Once we got control, we started building our alliances. The education community was one of our three uh, pegs okay. of the stool. Okay, And so those ties were observed by the, by the other side. So even though it was a good thing for us to be tight with the education community, it had ramifications. And I think the first few, the first few issues that we saw were these charter schools, mm, these okay. vouchers. Yeah. Okay? They didn't exist. hmm They were invented to drive a wedge between the Democrats and the education establishment. hmm so once they got control, okay? Because it went you know, we had it for most of the nineties, but we had there were two years we didn't have it. The teachers felt the teachers felt it. Okay? Because the Republicans, they wouldn't say this. This this is my my gut enunciating what I saw and observed. Okay? Mm-hmm. I saw I didn't see the 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 non-partisan politics that I saw in the beginning. Okay, mm-hmm. we got it now, and we're, we're you know, we're going to. You picked the wrong side, teachers. Mm. Right, and that got worse because again, after two years, we got back in control again. Yeah. Right, and so we doubled down on our our, our alliances. That created more problems, and I'm just talking. That's just one issue. Right. Education. Yeah. Right? Again, it all goes back to that dynamic, you know, uh, when I started in the, in the early 80s, everyone knew the Republicans were running the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And everyone was a good sport about it. But as we, as as a Democratic governor for 16 years, okay, mm-hmm. and the House Democrat, right, I mean, we were, we had to negotiate with the Senate, of course. That, that never changed. Yeah. But when you have the governor and you have one chamber, he got the edge, and so that affected how issues were negotiated. I think in two thousands, when when the power the power shifted back yeah. to the conventional. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: By that time, that's when they 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 had the charter schools soaking up a lot of money yeah right vouchers soaking up a lot of money at the expense of public education yeah interesting
0: so do you think like uh these sort of party alliances with outside political groups kind of started to fracture state politics in a way that was basically causing more intense political polarization then right wow that's fascinating I've, i've never thought about that interesting and do you do you see this still going on today? Then as it's well? worse.
1: I think it's worse. I think we we, we I, I you know I can't rec- as much as I can recognize the institution. Yeah. Okay. Of the legislature and the governorship, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it was so it was so wonderful to come down a month ago visit with my former colleagues, and none of that rancor existed and right. it was just pure social, and it was wonderful, okay? Mm-hmm. Having said that, I can't recognize the state politically, yeah. okay? Yeah. And, and it's because, you know, you know our majorities were paper-thin, right? Even when we had a 55 to 45 majority, mm-hmm. that 55 was 500 mm-hmm. votes yeah. statewide. We literally had two or three house races... Squeakers, 10 votes, mm-hmm. right? Again, our five majority was 500 votes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was it was thin, but that majority was powerful mm-hmm. for 500 votes in a state where, what, there's 2 million votes cast in a general election? 500 votes determines the House? Pretty mm-hmm. amazing. So naturally... A lot's going to go in. A lot of energy is going to go in to try and change that 500-vote margin. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Right. Intense politics. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Big money. Yeah, it's like campaign finance. Big right? money. Yeah. All
1: right, enters a fray. Yeah. You know, and thankfully, in my district, they left me alone. Right. Okay. Yeah. They couldn't. You know. Couldn't. And that's why I got along with the Republicans because they never, they never targeted me, yeah right so, right hey, thank you very much, but yeah. my, my most of my democratic colleagues they were they were in wars mm. to get elected. I had to deal with primaries okay so it's not it's not like I had a you know picnic my headaches were always in the spring, yeah, right, up in lake county, yeah, but once he got through that, it was smooth sailing
0: sure sure
1: but but everywhere else it was the opposite,
0: yeah. I suppose that the, all this money being thrown into these campaigns and stuff probably uh, uh, contributes to the problem Is it encourages people sort of being attached to this system of being aligned with these big groups that have lots of influence and then throwing money into campaigns. and It kind of, I guess, feeds itself almost. That,
1: that combined with the fact that I hate to say it, I'm I almost reluctant to say it, yeah. but I, I, I want to be as forthcoming as possible. Sure, sure. I remember I said I can't recognize the state. Mm. It's because there's no state party anymore mm. for the Democrats. Marion County, they're strong. Yeah. Lake County, and the college towns. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. When I started and throughout my service through 2000, the Democrats controlled southern Indiana.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? In the legislature. We might have Vanita Becker from Evansville. Right, Mm -hmm. and maybe Republican down on the Indiana side of Louisville, until we beat uh, Waffen, right? Yeah, but it was all Democrat. Yeah, now it's totally, totally Republican. Yeah, right. I mean, I saw something in the paper. There's only two Democrats south of Bloomington, and that's got to be Evansville and probably Cincinnati or Louisville. That's it. Yeah, I mean, so and then you know in our area, I mean, it's even, it's even in the legislature it's half half and half in Lake County that's redistricting okay Mm -hmm. that's the power of drawing those maps yeah but once you know they had these super majorities they stuck yeah it's not been going back and forth right and that has caused me to not even recognize the state politically yeah anymore
0: Yeah, I suppose once it gets to the point where one party has just such a dominant control, it's pretty hard to get rid of that grip on on the state.
1: And they don't operate. Remember, I told you at the beginning of this interview, like Lake County, where you know the Democrats dominate, but they got their hand around the Republican. The Republicans got their hand around Lake County, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That doesn't exist out here.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, thinking a little bit about your campaigns and stuff, did you, did you have a particular campaign strategy when you're running through all these elections?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, well, number one, my dad always drilled in my head, even though I, I really never had a close campaign. Yeah. Um, because he always told me, run like you're 10 points behind. Okay. Mm. And you run through the tape. There's no, there's no, there's no, it's like a sprint. No matter how long it is, and campaigns can't be long because it's so intense, right? Yeah. You, there's, there's no days off. You have to focus entirely on what you're doing. And my mom would see me coming home at night, you know, you know, literally trudging up the steps, and she, she would see the weight just, you know, <laughs> sure. a great way to lose weight, <laughs> go on a campaign up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so it's, it's effort, number one. Mm-hmm. Is, there's no substitute. The um, one year that I was building my home for our family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I had, I had an opponent that I had that ran against me the previous election, but I was focused on building the house, and I, I saw it in the returns. Yeah. I, I won, but not by the margin I won two years earlier. So that was the, the lesson: is you can never ever let up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I always ran on issues. Okay, I, I I I had a three-legged you know stool, and 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 my first leg was always public education. My second leg was uh, public safety. Okay. And my third leg was you know n- uh, bread and butter economic issues. I'm from a strong labor district, so I was always you know strong labor, mm-hmm. organized labor. So. Those were the three main planks that I emphasized in my campaign. And then I, you know, organized, you know, the details around those three planks. But I was always issue-oriented. But the main thing is you have to work hard. You cannot take anything for granted. And the one year, 1990, when I was focused on building the house, and and I'm glad I did because, I mean, that's important. That was where our family is living, and we still live there today. uh, I saw saw the... uh, the the polls, you know, yeah. I, I didn't work the, the campaign as hard because I had beaten the guy two years earlier, and um, it, it it was like the vote was a little over two thousand votes when I won, and a lot of people says what happened, and I says well, like, you're not going to see that again,
2: mm-hmm. okay,
1: so it, it had a lasting impression, so you never you never take the voters for
0: granted, yeah, sure. How would you uh, keep in touch with your constituents and keep up to date with all the things that they wanted you to work on?
1: I remember in the early days, we used to meet five days a week down here, okay? So at the end of the session, we'd have session early on Friday morning, and then everyone would leave to go back to the districts. I go back to the hotel and get a couple hours sleep. Mm -hmm. I come back to the State House, and people are leaving, it's Friday afternoon, right? That's when I would write my newsletters. Back then, okay. I wrote them from scratch. Yeah, okay? sure, sure. And I tailored them based on what was happening at that very moment. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so I would, I would be at the state house you know, for, for, three, for three hours. And then I would drive home. I'd get home on Friday nights late. I was single, okay? I was living home with my parents. Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 I was very, very involved in in the development of my political messaging I not as I developed the staff would present the you know basically canned you know, mm. issues pick three um, screens of the seven that you put in your newsletter that's not how I started I did it myself because I was I I you know again I, I I was coming right out of law school. I was used to that academic rigor, okay? And so I applied that same rigor to my legislating, okay? And I wanted to communicate that to my people. And the best way to do that was through the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Because that was going out. you know, that's not just speaking to, you know, 100 people. Yeah. That's tens of thousands of people in that newsletter. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah, beyond the newsletter, of course. I'm out on, on, at the events. I, I, I would joke, my, my, my car, I would put 25,000 miles on my car each year. Wow. Right? Because yeah. I, was, I was on the streets every night. Yeah, yeah. And then I became a lawyer, of course. And then I, you know, like when you're in Lake County, there's no one central courthouse. You got to travel to the courthouses. So that, that was a lot of my miles too, mm-hmm. driving to and from the court. But, you know, if you're going to be in office, you cannot uh, ever take the voters for granted. You have to maintain yeah. That contact. Yeah. Um, thinking
0: about some of your work in the general assembly. Uh, do you remember the first bill that you sponsored?
1: Yeah, the first bill that I sponsored. It passed the house. It didn't go anywhere in the senate. Okay. There was there was a, there was a tie in the uh, in one of the in one of the districts. Okay. Okay. And. Um, so I had a bill to, to, how to how to break a tie, and I, it's been so long ago, I can't even remember how how it was resolved. But that was my first bill that passed the House, mm-hmm. and then it just just you know it just languished in the Senate didn't didn't yeah. didn't become law. So that's that's my first one. But that uh, was when we were in the minority.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, what differences were there between the House and Senate from your
1: experiences? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the big bad Senate, huh? Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like going to a foreign country. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I right. mean it's right across the Rotunda. Right, right. It's just a you can throw a baseball over there. you right. might as well be you know in China. politically yeah. You know, yeah. Politically, okay. Yeah. Because you know it, it, what it got me in those early years was you know I'm, I'm 24 years old. Okay, I'm 70 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas, you know, most of the senators were older, right? Mm-hmm. So they're moving, you know, like, like I move now, okay? A little slower. But you know, they're, they, they, they think the camera's on them all the time. You know, they're moving really <laughs> like this, and you know, grand gestures, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the you know, come on, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, believe me, they ran it like an iron fist. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So when you're in the Senate, right, you got to play by their rules. Now, of course, it took time that the only thing they really respect is not intellect. Okay? They don't respect intellect, they don't respect an argument. You know what they respect? When I would read one of their bills, yeah, right, hmm, it's a good bill. Garbage can. That's what they respected. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. Once they knew that you were perfectly willing, you know, to put their program in the garbage can, hmm. that's when they suddenly the light goes off. <laughs> right. And once once that's done, yeah. you know what? I dealt with him. Yeah. I mean, Bill Swords, for example, started in the House. I met him the first night with Pete Kadick in the in the press club, right? He goes over to the Senate. He becomes chairman of the Judiciary Committee. We knocked heads, but once he understood that I was willing to, you know, play that, play hardball, mm-hmm. we became excellent partners. Okay. Same is true with his successor, Richard Bray, who was who was my co-chairman on the courts criminal code. He went to the Senate. Yeah. We were like brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once he understood, and he understood because we served together in, under, under every possible political configuration. Republican majority, yep. 50-50, Democratic majority, right? So he gets in the Senate, he already knew how I was gonna be, all right? We didn't play games. He is still to this day one of my best friends, and I couldn't be happier that his son is not running the Senate, because if he's anything like his dad, he's, he's got to be you know a decent person. Mm-hmm. He's Richard Bray, from Martinsville, totally different district, okay? Couldn't be more different than mine, but I consider him, you talk about a mentor, more than a mentor, a great friend. Yeah, that's cool. And once, but the, but, but, but it's business. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I just relied on in friendship, forget about it. Right. They got to know that you're willing to take the heat. Yeah. Because they had some good ideas too. Right. Right. And you got to throw their good ideas in the, in the, you know, can. Yeah. And then boom, you got their attention. Yeah. And then we negotiated.
0: Okay. So the kind of a power dynamic there, you have to show that you are capable of wielding power as well. You have to. Yeah.
1: You can't be Mr. Nice guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, Interesting. Did you have a pretty good sense of how people would vote prior to actually voting on the legislation? Sure.
1: Yeah. Remember, again, so much, so much of it is partisan, right? Mm. So yeah. that's 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 you the first. You count guide. pretty quickly that that's way. That's your yeah. first guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there were always there were always people who who each caucus mm. had troublemakers okay. you know, from from leadership perspective. Yeah. And so we would we would try and, and snag them, and they would try and snag our our, our discontents.
2: Mm.
1: But a handful, okay? I mean, sometimes just one mm-hmm. in each caucus. Yeah. So you know it's pretty simple. So yeah, it was. It. it that's why I said you know, earlier this is so monotonous. This this first period of the session, you know, but there's a reason for it, you know. Uh, people people got to vote. You know, because so much, of, so much of the activity is driven by the special interests, right? Okay? Yeah. And they're out there politicking with their members, right? Mm-hmm. So they need to show production in the General Assembly for the benefit of their members. And that's what the, the first three months of the session is largely about, okay? Mm-hmm. And then everyone's got, got positions, you know, kind of staked out. But you know, then those last two weeks are the weeks that are, are the session days. That you know, it's fisher cut bait. You know, to get to get to something, if you're going to get anything at all. Yeah, sure,
0: that makes sense. Uh, how influential then would you say party leadership was?
1: Extremely, extremely, uh, extremely influential. Because, because the old expression was at the end of the session. This is the only game in town. I, that was one of the common expressions. And that only game in town, uh, unless you were involved in that conference committee, mm-hmm. okay, really has had the fingerprints of those four members and the leadership. Yeah. So, so many times, the only game in town, which bore no resemblance to what you were debating here, okay, mm-hmm. in, in the three months... Is because the leadership wields tremendous influence on those conference on those conferences. Yeah, because they can appoint, and they can remove. And so when they appoint, they usually tell you where they want this to go, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't produce, you can you can be removed. Yeah, tremendous influence the leaders have.
0: Did you ever uh, go against party leadership?
1: I had, I rarely did. Okay. Rarely, if ever. I mean, yeah. I, I, because number one, I knew how influential they were, yeah. okay? I remember uh, there was one time when I kind of exploded. I was not happy because, and, and, and but I was young. Mm-hmm. I was probably still in my early 30s. And my leader was with me until the end. And then we went into special session, mm-hmm. okay? And the special sessions even, even, you know, more compact than the conference committee, okay? And I learned early on in the special session that all bets were off. All the support I got through the session wasn't going to carry over into the special session. So I, I got angry, okay? Mm-hmm. I told my dad about it. He understood why. And a couple of my dad's senior friends said, you know, they were with me on the issue, right? But then my dad said, when you go back downstate, I want you to go First opportunity, go see Mike Phillips and tell him, despite what happened, you're the speaker and I'm gonna do whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'm with you. So I remember I remember going from my position in the caucus room after the caucus broke up and I'm walking toward the speaker, and I can see him getting a little anxious because you know I was I was a little loud
2: mm-hmm. on the phone.
1: Yeah. Right? So he 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 lightened. He was tightened up. Like I see him tense, and I says, uh, Mike, I'm with you. I want you to know, okay. And it's pretty simple.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He relaxed, shook my hand, and and I don't think I ever 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 again uh, was out of out of, I understood what happened. I I you know I, you learn the heart You learn some tough lessons out here. Okay. Um, but that was about it. I I I stayed with my leadership, and it it proved uh, wise. Okay, mm-hmm. because I had I did have, I think by most estimates, a lot of power when we were in the majority, and I operated like the Republicans. So they couldn't say that I'm some you know you know crazy guy from Lake County you know throwing right. uh, hand grenades. Right. Yeah. I operated just like they did. And I was tight with my leadership, and you know I, I had some influential political backers back home too, so I weaved it all together, and you know I I left uh, you know I think I had you know a major influence on on the judicial issues
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the public safety issues, and I, I I voted for taxes if they benefited education, mm-hmm. okay, and. Um, I, uh, I had, you know, great relations with uh, the trial lawyers, okay? And I had wonderful relations with all the senior citizens groups, okay? And, and and the labor groups, because we went to war on some tough issues in the 90s. Yeah. And um, and so those ties were, were were strong.
0: Did you ever feel pressured to vote a certain way on legislation that you didn't really think that highly of? or? Oh,
1: of course. We used to make a joke of it, you know? hold your nose, push the button. Okay? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't you can't you can't fight every battle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In, like it's your last. You got to pick and choose your battles. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You can't you, if you'll you'll you, and don't wear out the carpet to the microphone, okay? Mm-hmm. I I I I was very selective in going to the microphone. I, I, there were members who were, you know, they wanted to kind of, they wanted to weigh in on eighty percent of the issues. Yeah. They'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah. All right. You, yeah. You get the attention if you go up there, infrequently. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's why true. I follow yeah. that uh, uh, model. Okay. Um.
0: How would you say your legislative service affected your family life?
1: Oh. Yeah. It's a great job for a single person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can understand right?
1: that. Uh, at the end of my service, I told you. At the end of my service, I was the first person, out of the state capitol. Hmm. Okay. In contrast to those earlier years when I was single, I I wouldn't get home until eight nine o'clock on Friday night. Speaker Manweiler, Republican Speaker change to a we call family-friendly schedule, four-day schedule, okay? okay? Thursdays, we would be kind of late in the morning on the floor. So we were done sometimes, sometimes, depending upon what stage of the session, like early in the afternoon on Thursday. My car was packed in the parking lot. I was the first one out of the statehouse, mm-hmm. into the car, on the street within 10 minutes of the galahid, right? Complete contrast to how I was in the beginning. Why? I had a family. And I had, I had a job. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the family first. My family, my wife, carried the ball. Uh, so many of my colleagues remember my children only because they remember them in the stroller. When my wife had come down, first my son and then my daughter. Uh, yeah, it's an extraordinary sacrifice. For the non-legislative spouse, who's got to carry the ball at home, my wife would joke that if we were if we were married for ten years by the calendar, we've only really been married six years. He spent the last four years in the General Assembly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and 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 it it's tough. Okay, and after eighteen sess after seventeen sessions, I was tired of being away from home. Yeah. I really again it was it was a combination of the job that I had I had to you know, support the family through my law practice, um, and being down here it had a tremendous impact on my ability to you know make an, a living. Uh, a lot of my clients liked the fact that I was down here because they liked the, 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 my lawyer, the state rep. Okay, mm-hmm. they also liked the continuances we got automatically because we're yeah. down here, right? But the continuances benefited them. They didn't benefit me because I wasn't being paid. You know? Right, right. So it, it it was a stressful thing. But you yes, asked about the family, uh, my wife, and any non legislative spouse. Something that's the male, okay. Mm. But he, he, my wife was raising the kids by by herself at least four days a week, at least. And then you know I'm always on on the go when I'm campaigning or doing to going to public events, and you know it's 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 a sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, see, thinking about uh, some more sort of legislative issues. What would you say was the most controversial legislative issue during your time in the General
1: Assembly? Okay. I, well, I'll, there's two parts to that. Sure. There's the what the my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or the overall General Assembly. So let's yeah. talk about the overall General Assembly. I think the the intensity. Mm-hmm. Was in the mid '90s, those two years where the Republicans uh, took control back from us.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, What they did that that raised the most attention was in in the mid in the mid. This was the the, in '94 election, '95 session, right? They tried to redraw the maps Mm. in '95. Okay. Okay. That caused us to walk out. We went back to our districts. So Mike Phillips would sometimes say that no matter how heated we got in caucus, we have a you know, knockout, dragout fight, and if we got nasty, he would say, time out, and he'd get the two people, he'd walk to the window, and he'd point to the people on the street, and he would say, those two people don't even think we're in session, right? So cool it, right? They don't even know we're in session. This is not life and death. Yeah, We laugh, okay? The temperature would come down, right? But when we walked out of the house and shut the General Assembly down, people noticed, mm. right? All the front pages, House Democrats walk out. Republicans miscalculated. You know, they had, a, I think, a better relationship with the larger media, Indianapolis Star, for example, mm-hmm. right? It backfired on them. Instead of us being criticized for abandoning our responsibilities, right? Right. And all that stuff. Because they were trying to change the districts yeah. in mid mid mid-cycle? I think it was Governor Bowen. And if it wasn't Governor Bowen, it was Governor Orbe. One of the governors, former governors, came out editorialized against what they were doing. Man, well, I was shocked. Okay? And most of the editorialists sided with us. We were stunned. Okay? We were prepared to get beat up.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. Right? But what happened is, you know, they had they lost that public battle, and, every, and that, that was an issue where people knew about, mm-hmm. right? Because the issue was they're not getting the business done. And why? Well, yeah. it was because they were forcing something that had never been done before, redistricting four years after we had already done the maps. And these got maps have four more years of life. So they finally came back, had a, had a face saving face mechanism to bring everyone together. The other issue that happened during that session were the labor issues. We had not just one, but two rallies. The first one filled up the state capitol with like seven thousand people, and the next one filled up the outside, fifteen thousand labor people from all over the state converged on the prevailing wage. It was massive. It it, it was it was it was you know, it was joyous from our perspective, okay? We lost those battles that year, okay? But we got back in power because what they were doing was so unpopular in the in the hinterlands, okay? Yeah. That, that got us back in power in, after the ninety-six election. So we were just out for two years. So those those labor issues are the ones because of bread and butter, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what generated thousands, a cast of thousands. So it wasn't just a bunch of people, you know, in a, in a you know, handful of people in a, in a in a conference room, you know, cutting. The, no, this was public participation at yeah. its finest, right? So those clearly now with me, I had some major issues uh, that, that 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 were they got a lot of attention, mm-hmm. but that's not your question. <laughs> that's not your, your last yeah, question.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, so what? What uh, piece of legislation did you have to work the
1: most on? Well, okay. Uh, the, 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 that's an easy question when you say most meaning the longest time. Right, right. The longest issue that I worked on was the wrongful death issue, adult wrongful death. Ah, okay. Yeah. It took me nine sessions to get that passed. Yeah. Um, and it's because the uh, I was head knocking with the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And even though I had a lot of support with the trial lawyers and the mm-hmm. senior citizens groups and the, you know, um, all kinds of interest groups were weighing in on it, it was political power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the insurance industry had a friend in the Senate, and uh, they they would just block it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, finally, uh, I was in Las Vegas with uh, uh, for a national conference of state legislators in 1997, yeah. <coughs> and... Uh, one of the Republican senators pulled me aside, and he says, Jesse, if you guys keep the majority in November, I'm going to give your bill a hearing, Hmm. okay? So he conditioned it, right? (coughs) So we won the 98 election, okay, in the House, and so he was the first person I came to visit in 99 and uh he kept his word, gave the bill a hearing, and i' were, I won't ever forget Bob Garton going to Senator Garden going to the chamber, yeah, because he was the muscle behind the, you know, the the anti yeah and he uh he gave a very eloquent speech it 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 really meant a lot to me mm-hmm. um, and so I was at the Senate when they when it happened and and the reporters were coming up to me and Afterwards, and I, I was just struck. You know, it wasn't high fiving. It was just I was really, really emotional. Mm -hmm. But having said that, the most heated battles involve judges Mm, that are not supposed to be political. Okay.
2: Hmm.
1: by far the most heated battles in my career involve the makeup of the judiciary in our county. And it gets, it, it's just a symbol of the larger issue with Lake County. Laws that apply everywhere else in the state, it's different in the state of Lake and one of the biggest and most important differences is the makeup of the judiciary. Mm -hmm. In every county but four now, used to be two, but every county but four, but back in my time, it was two counties, Lake County and St. Joe County. Only in those two counties do we have this wonderful merit selection system for judges. Voters don't get to pick the judges. A panel thins out the applicants sends three to the governor and the governor picks. Hmm. And as a lawyer, we're all supposed to fall in line. Okay? Because it's the lawyers who do the selecting. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And of course, you've got to practice law. Right. Right? Now, as I as my influence increased here, they'd whisper in my ear and they would tell me who's going to be the next judge up there. And they were always right before things even opened up. Oh, man, okay. Right? Yeah. All cut and dried. I'm thinking to myself, why isn't that system everywhere else if it's so good, right? Because every other senator representative area of the county, they make sure that their judges have to run just like the state reps and senators and councilmen, Right? Yeah. You don't want them getting too little highfalutin, right? Right. So why can't we have that? Oh. 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 (laughs) Oh. Oh. -oh. Wow. All out war. Over something that's not supposed to be political? Yeah. It's the most political issue by far talking power. Right? Wow. You don't want the people selecting the judges. (laughs)
0: Controlled. Wow, okay.
1: Yeah. And so, after I got a little tired of being, of receiving the courtesies of being, who's going to be the next judge? I'm thinking, "This this is nonsense here. Right? It's all rigged. I mean, they're trying trying to stay on my good side by giving me the inside scoop, right? (laughs) Yeah. But it's not having the intended effect. Right. Right? So, our judges for a long time were underpaid. They were. And the way they made up for it, wouldn't pass ethic tests. Traveling the circuit for extra pay? Mm. Come on. It's not the way to do that. So I said, the judges need a pay raise. Of course, they agreed. And I'm chairman of the committee. Big pay raise bill. Oh, there's a condition. Lake and St. Joe, we're going to insist on the same rights that exist everywhere else elect our judges. Down here, everyone's nervous. Back home, more than just nervousness. Okay? For two sessions, not just one, two, the bill founder. Nothing like the last day of the 19 year, was it? 94 session. They were editorializing on the front page, of the newspaper back home, on the front page, editorializing. The editor came down to the house, violated all protocol, he hand delivered on the house floor during a session. He has no business on the floor. He put it on every member's desk during a session. Wow. They don't follow the rules up there. It was knockout, dragout on the house floor we had the votes. Hmm. Because that pay bill involved more than just judges. Appellate Court judges, Supreme Court judges, prosecutors, state police, Mm, conservation officers, excise officers, 20 million dollars of pay raises in one bill. And this was a off-year budget. So this was it. This was the political bill of the whole session because it had the money. Because the budget was the previous year, 93. This was it. And it had my name on it. And I was up front from beginning in 93 to the end of 94. This is what it's going to take to get this bill passed. And at 11 p.m. on the last night of the session, Senator Bray, who was my contemporary, he had to to call his bill for a vote. Yeah, his judges needed the pay raise in Morgan County, right? The votes were in the Senate to pass, with the Lake County provision that have elections. Mm. Okay. With the pay bill in one bill. Yeah. Okay. Combined it. Yeah. We combined it for two years, and there was a war for two years to get it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Bray had to. Call the bill. something happened in the Senate. That's all I'll say. Hmm. Bray takes his name off the bill. Garton puts his name on the bill. When it's Garton's term time to call the bill, it's eleven o'clock. He doesn't call the bill. It doesn't get voted on hmm. even though we had the votes. Wow. The bill dies for the second year in a row. Every judge in the state lost forty thousand dollars in pay over two years. Oof. Forty grand. And that's just the judges. Yeah. It was rough. Wow.
0: Yeah, okay. Now, when you were talking about a uh, wrongful death, what exactly was, did the wrongful death legislation intend to do? Great.
1: Well, what I, I remember, uh, there was a guy named Harry Wilson from LaPorte County, and his son just finished college, got a, his, high, his college degree, so he was an adult. He was above uh, age of majority, mm-hmm. and, but he, he was single. And he got—he died at a construction site, freak accident. freak, freak. He got electrocuted. Okay. Okay. And it was negligence. And his father was told that there was nothing that he could do to even investigate what led to his son's death, because because his son was a was a. Uh, Minor well, it was not a minor, but he was single. He had no dependents.
2: Mm.
1: Okay? okay? He had no dependents that were dependent upon his income. Right? And because of that, the only liability was funeral expenses. Put them in the ground. That's it. You can't use the court process to, to determine through discovery what happened. Yikes. I couldn't believe it. I found out that we were just, we were the. Us in Mississippi were the only states in the country so that became my my uh, uh, my uh, my issue yeah and that issue got tangled up in 1997 this is my seventh year at it right if you remember back in 1997 there was a tragedy at an amusement park up the road 65 yeah little Emily hunt mm-hmm. yep. and her grandmother were in a roller coaster and the roller coaster went off the track killing the grandmother and paralyzing little Emily so you know, because of you know, the impact of, of the tragedy it was big news here in Indianapolis particularly Yeah. not so much in Lake County yet but that would change so that Hunts were guided by professionals down here, not just lawyers, but professional PR people. So this was in '90s. This was in this was right before the '96 uh, election. Okay. Yeah. When Obannon's running, so they get a commitment from candidate Obannon to to waive laws that would have otherwise not provided income. Or medical expenses, because again, these were minor. These were single people: the, the young child and the grandmother. Yeah. Right. So, Governor or candidate Obannon, you know, makes gives a commitment, right, that he's going to do something about it. Yeah. So, Obannon you know, wins. Sessions in '97, we're in control. So they put this, let's let's you know do something for Emily in a bill, and they send it to my committee. Okay, I'm looking at this bill, and I says, "Wow, I wasn't aware of what was happening." Okay, mm-hmm. and, and, and this Emily is the same age as my daughter. Okay, same age, little girl. So of course, I can relate to. Yeah, but I'm seeing grandma. Is dead, All right? But Grandma's not getting the attention. Because grandma's dead. Wait a minute. This is the perfect vehicle mm-hmm. to do right by by both people in Grandma's memory. Okay. But in the Star, I wasn't thinking about Grandma in the Naples Star and the TV stations focused on Emily. Yeah. Right? So, I had breakfast. I called up Mr. Hunt. I said, meet me at my hotel for breakfast. He was there. I says, here's what I have in mind. We're going to, um, you know, Whatever the governor wants to do for uh, for your family, our family, I'm with you, okay? But, you know, let's think about your mother, former mother-in-law here, grandma. I've been working this issue of wrongful death for seven years. Let's, 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 let's kill two birds with one stone here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He was a very intelligent guy. He immediately, he immediately sensed trouble. Okay, because he knew the insurance industry was going to oppose this mm. right so he did he, he wasn't happy with it he didn't he didn't agree with this okay okay I called you here at my expense you know I wanted to you know meet yeah. privately all right I didn't want you, didn't want to do this when you're seeing it on you know uh, in, in the in the audience sure okay? courtesy mm-hmm he thanked me for that, but he was he wasn't happy. Okay, mm-hmm. so okay, we're gonna do this, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. explosion, right? Yeah, because I was upset in the apple cart. Made this thing hard was that because it was not just in a star; it was in a newspaper, it was not just a star; it was in t- on television.
2: Yeah,
1: I have a sister. I have two sisters who live here in town, but then I had one sister. And because there was so much vested interests in this story, this narrative, right? It was publicized. And I was the bad guy. Mm. Right? And it impacted my sister because of the last name. Yeah, okay. Our names aren't too common, right? Right, right. She took. She took some heat. It had nothing to do with my political you know, operation, right? Sure. That was not easy to deal with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, Yeah, it sounds like that spiraled pretty out of control.
1: Out of control because there was so much attention. Yeah. Because of the narrative, and these guys had professional. PR people driving the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't just, you know, a bill, right? Yeah. He had an yeah. entourage of people who knew how to work the system.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, you know, and I, in the end, he ended up getting, because he had the governor, okay? The governor made a commitment. And, uh, but it was pretty
0: rough. Wow. Yeah. So would you say that, uh, the Emily bill and uh, the bill with judges were kind of like the biggest challenges you had to face then during your time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Everything else a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Very, yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be hard to top those. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually saw in, in the newspaper a few other bills that I thought were kind of interesting that I guess you were, were involved with a little bit. Um, do you remember a bill about uh, drinking and driving that you authored?
1: Yeah. That was uh, the 08 legislation.
0: Uh yeah, could could have been. Um, yeah. it was something about like you couldn't have like an open container or something. Yeah, in your
1: car. yeah and that but the issue was the uh, that's what uh, that's what ultimately became the 08 legislation.
0: Ah, okay. Sure, yeah. yeah. So what tell me a little bit about that, and what was going on and-
1: Well that was uh, I think I think it was Senator Weiss. Senator Weiss was the was head for it's sort of like being on wrongful death. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had been promoting this 08 for a number of years. And and of course it drew a lot of attention, both pro and con, you know. Yeah. Uh, his major groups were the uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, but this also impacted, you know, um, businesses, restaurants, um, uh, clubs, mm-hmm. and, you know, and particularly his fraternal groups, because, you know, a lot of the v, uh, VFWs, American Legions, uh, I mean, you know, uh, they have they have you know, they have clubs where alcohol is served, right? And and and, and, and under you know ninety nine point nine percent of the time, served responsibly. Yeah. Okay. And and you're dealing with you know people who want to have uh, uh, split a bottle of wine with their wives, and and and, and now are they going to be committing a crime when they go into their car and drive home? You know, mm-hmm. a half mile. Right, mm-hmm. so it, again it it, it, it it was a you know volatile issue and and so and so what ended up happening, again, I can't remember it was a 94 I think it was the same session as that um, as the judges. okay, so you know, I had my hands full that, that, that year mm-hmm. and 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 what happened is, we came up with a compromise right, that, that, um, that addressed the issue of Wiese, okay, without, without the business groups and the, um, you know, the VFWs um, of the world, uh, they could live with. And I was the, I was the, I was in contrast to the other bill where I was a lightning rod. I was the I tried being the dove, and getting both sides together. So that was one of my, one of my happy uh, wars. Yeah, yeah. That, that succeeded. Sure. Uh, and I was I was the mediator. Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast to being a lightning rod on the other on the other issues. Yeah. So that was happy happy times.
0: So what did the uh, legislation
1: specifically do then? What was the law that passed? Oh, I I, I think I think what happened is. The, the the open container yeah, this is a long time ago yeah so I understand that. I'm 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 trying to remember the narratives I remember uh, the narratives that was anti open container was that going to an IU game yeah. okay you're in a van you mm-hmm. you 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 can't you, you can't open up a can of beer in the way in the back yeah. under the open container yeah because no one could be um, have an open container. Right. So, uh, one of the compromises was as long as the driver and no one in the front seat mm-hmm. had the open container, okay? Someone in the third row,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, w- wasn't committing a crime if they had an open beer in the in the van. That's okay?
0: interesting. Okay. So that was the compromise. Yeah.
1: Uh, and everyone could live with that. Wow, okay.
0: Huh.
1: And and and, and then and then eventually the 08 legislation followed up. Uh, I can't remember exactly, yeah. but but that's my point is you know I was I was I was happy to lend myself to uh, because I, I wasn't seen as a major player mm. in that debate. So Mike Phillips says you're going to be you're going to be the ball carrier here, okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can bring both sides together, and 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 that's what happened. Okay, so that's that's a happy story. And so the
0: O eight of them was just about how much alcohol you could drink.
1: Yeah, yeah. well the O uh, eight was the. Uh, Prior to that, the uh, when, I start, when I first started mm. practicing, OWI was 0.15. Mm. So when they knocked it down to point oh eight, you know that's the law now. Yeah. Uh, that's that's you know half of the uh, legal requirement uh, that it was. You yeah. Know, 20 years, thirty years ago, so um, that was significant, uh, and there was a battle to get that uh, down to O eight. But there were there was, I can't remember all the little issues that led sure. up to that, but yeah. I just remember that I was, I was proud to uh, to bring both sides to the table and, and hammer hammer out an agreement.
0: Yeah. Me. That's interesting. I didn't know at all that someone could have an open container in their car, uh, but I guess it kind of depends on the state, too, but yeah. that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, I saw that there was, I couldn't tell exactly what was going on, but there looked like there was a uh, debate about abortion that was going on off and on during your <laughs> service. What was the debate about exactly, and uh, what well, was your role?
1: Well, yeah, that, those were the most unpleasant debates. Okay. Because I'm Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. and my parents never told me how to vote.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay?
1: But I know they expected me to be pro life. Yeah. They didn't have to say it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? So I was pro life. In General Assembly, mm-hmm. but I wasn't radicalized. Okay, right. And I hated those debates because, it, because to me, I saw it was always to gain political yeah. advantage. Okay, yeah. I hated seeing that issue so emotional, right, to be used as a tool, you know, to gain political power.
2: Yeah
1: and so i i i i when i had the vote i voted pro life but then you see republicans or not the republicans not the republicans their supporters tried using me as a wedge in the democratic caucus mm-hmm. because i was one of the few democrats who were pro life yeah so they tried to get me on to sign to take a leadership role right mm-hmm. Okay. To try and you know say that now they're they're bipartisan.
0: Right, right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they're trying to use me. And so you know, the the pro pro life forces naturally. Yeah, Jesse, do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know, I also had a lot of support among women's groups. And I wanted to keep that support. Right. Right? Yeah. So here's one of the things that I'm very grateful for. Because they knew I was, the they meaning the leaders, the women's leaders. Yeah. Okay? In, on issues other than abortion. Okay? But even, even like Trish Redondo, who was the Lake County uh, head of, uh, right, uh, right like the opposite the Planned um, parent okay? mm-hmm. she knew how I was struggling with this thing she knew I didn't want no part of this political parade right or political device yeah so there was some understanding there and and because I went out of my way on everything else that they could be for I tried being their champion and it worked for the most part okay Whereas they gave me a pass on those handful of abortion bills that I voted for, okay? Because I, I, I resisted taking a larger role, okay? And I was for them on everything else. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I minimized the rancor. When, when, but I, 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 I just did not enjoy... Um, I did not enjoy... Those debates. Yeah, I'm sure that was yeah
0: not very fun. Um, is was the abortion debate at that time pretty much the same as it is today, or was it different? You
1: no, know, it's. Uh, I, I. It's. I remember the first bill. I remember it almost I, this one. I have pretty good memory on first session. It was the um, parental consent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and. To me, it just seemed logical, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember I'm I'm not real political in that first session. Yeah. I'm I'm saying, come on. I'm thinking of my sisters, mm-hmm. right? I would expect my sisters to be able to go to mom and dad, mm-hmm. right? And get some guidance here. Yeah. That's what I expected as a natural thing, not as a political thing, Mm -hmm. right? So I voted for it. Wow, you know, I I didn't realize how sensitive you know that issue was, Mm -hmm. you know, because you know, as I was told by people that you know, young women can't go to their parents for all kinds of reasons. So even though I thought they should, because in our family. You can always go home, okay? Just don't come home in a police car, right? Right. Yeah. Right? But you can always come home. And so that's how we were raised. But I, rec- I recognize that that's not how everyone was raised. Mm-hmm. You can't go home. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But I didn't understand it. When I was twenty-four.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you remember a bill that was uh, trying to ban uh, guns from bars and restaurants? Well,
1: I thought you. I thought. I thought. I thought you were going to say the motorcycle helmet ban. I remember that one. Uh, okay. I honestly, don't remember the. Uh, okay. Guns and, but you know, I, I. I. There was a gun issue that I got involved in because they sent it to my committee it was uh, Gary had passed an ordinance uh just for Gary only uh, banning you know weapons you yeah, know. yeah, and and then there was a a, a bill filed okay. to prevent cities from engaging in any in that area and and they put it my committee uh, which <laughs> yeah thanks a lot because i go I, I remember walking into that committee room and every tv station you know was there yeah. the room was just jam- was it was heavily Attended committee hearing I've ever been to. Couldn't yeah. couldn't move. Uh-huh. Right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but I don't remember the other one. Okay,
0: that's fine. Yeah. So the in terms of the motorcycle
1: helmet one, were you how involved were you in that? Oh, work? just as a member. I here here here's <laughs> here's what's kind of funny though. I remember John Gregg was speaker at that time. Okay. okay? Yeah. And it was Dennis Avery, was the, uh, was the, uh, uh, author of the. Uh, Helmet bill.
0: Ah, uh, okay? okay, yeah, yeah. So here's, yeah. What, here's, here's what
1: I remember. There were hundreds of of, of motorcyclists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On their garb, right? And I remember John Gregg. Okay. Seeing me. Okay. And he shouted, "Hello, Representative Avery." Okay. <laughs> he said it loud enough where everyone, you know, people, a uh-huh. hundred people heard. Yeah. And they immediately converged on me thinking I'm Avery. Okay? <laughs> I, I said, hey, wait a minute, I ain't Avery. Yeah. That's he's just he's just, you know, yanking my chain. Yeah. Right? He was laughing his head his his ass off, okay? And and, and I won't ever forget, you know, those guys thinking yeah. that I'm Avery, they're gonna
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I said, I ain't Avery. Uh, yeah. okay, let me get out of here. Oh. Okay. Oh, because that was that was a wild time when, when that bill was was being yeah. because you know we it was it wasn't 7,000 but you know I would say easily a couple thousand and they made a lot of noise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I actually uh, interviewed Dennis Avery and he talked about that. Okay. <laughs> He's, yeah, he said that was yeah, not a fun experience. Oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was Dennis Avery for for 10 seconds. Yeah, that, yeah, you could <laughs> get taste of that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um do you remember any legislation about uh, giving people basically a life sentence instead of a, instead of the death penalty yeah, that was my bill
1: yeah yeah uh, life without parole yeah and, and, the, and the reason the reason uh, was I, I, I as a lawyer I would see how much resources were spent at public expense on the appellate issues mm-hmm on death penalty cases. Yeah. It was just hundreds of thousands of dollars each each case. Yeah. And the death penalty would take 20 years yeah. to carry out. And all that time, the lawyers on, on, on each side are, are spending public dollars because the defendants don't have the money to pay for their defense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All public money. And I said, this is a waste of public of taxpayer money. And that's how I approached it. And that's what carried the day. And that really was... That was again a, a very uh, businesslike, rational argument that prevailed, on what was an emotional argument. When you when you boil it down to dollars and cents, it, it to me it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Even though a person's going to spend a lot of time in prison on public expense, compared to the dollars to pay the lawyers, you know, there's there no there's no comparison.
0: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, so let's see. Uh, looking at the big picture now, uh, when did you leave the General Assembly? 2000. Okay. And what was the main reason?
1: Well, a couple of reasons. Um, I, I part of his family. Yeah. Okay. I was tired of being away from my family four days a week. Mm-hmm. And then I had a wonderful opportunity. Um, all the bad feelings... From what had transpired in 1994, had been washed away. Okay.
2: hmm
1: I give, I give, I give the uh, greatest tribute to um, then uh, Chief Justice uh, Shepard. A week after we got control of the House, back in after the '96 election, he calls me at my home. And he asks for support for this CLIO bill that he would like to see advanced. And he didn't know, or maybe he did know, but I told him, you know, I'm a CLIO member myself at the federal level. One of the things Gingrich killed in, when he took power in Washington, they killed the CLIO pro- program federally, okay? So Shepard wanted to put an Indiana CLIO program. He, he wanted to know if I'd carry the bill. It's absolutely, Mr. Uh, Chief Justice. But then, I took it a step further. I says, Chief, I'm going to give you my word that what I did for two sessions in 93 94 on the Lake County judges, that still had been dangling, okay? Yeah. It's not going to interfere with this Cleo bill or anything else. Mm-hmm. That's over with. He was silent. Okay. He, I guess in his mind, well, time will tell because he knew how advocate sure. I was, all right? Well, that session, uh, which was the same session as the Emily thing, so it was a relief to get off that Emily thing, okay, and be a workhorse because that CLEO bill morphed into, um, became it became another budget bill, Yeah. right? yeah. CLIO, public defenders, and civil legal aid. Millions of dollars went into that bill. Okay? So it was the same thing as the pay bill, right? And people came up to me, Jesse, why don't you, you know, put your Lake County thing in there, right? This is no. And so that bill went through claim to the process. And a lot of happy people. And so that, all the rancor from years earlier, vanished. And so, my last few years, I'm on chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Yeah. You know, I was viewed as a huge ally of the judiciary. Because I kept my personal belief of the elected judges. I still bothered by it. Yeah. Okay but I'm not going to be the cause or be blamed for killing everything because of this, right? Yeah, yeah. So, in 1999, I'm the author of the omnibus bill, omnibus judges bill, which is um, a, a bill that statewide deals with judges. Mm-hmm. And based on Shepherds, he had this uh, uh, scale based on cases... In mm-hmm. counties, there were some counties that needed judges. There were some counties that had excess judges. And at the time, we were in a need. We In Lake County, our caseload had ex- exploded because years earlier, another battle I got involved in, the change of venue. We don't have time to get into those details, but that caused our caseloads to increase in Lake County. Okay. Because under the old law, automatic change of venue, they would get cases out of Lake County and put them into the rural areas. Okay. okay? Largely for racial reasons. Okay? okay. Bottom line, I fought that battle in legislature. Shepard solved it by changing the court rule, eliminating the automatic change of venue. God bless you, Shepard. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so now we got all these cases in Lake County. Not enough courts. So we created six courts. Three courts and three magistrates. Out of the 20, six were in Lake County. Because who's the author of the bill? Me. I gotta take care of my district first, right?
2: Yeah. I took care of a lot of other people
1: too. Right, right. right. So I remember without saying a word. Of course, John Gregg approached me. Jesse, I need a judge, you know, in Sullivan County. No problem, Mr. Speaker. You know, got that bill in there, got that part of the bill. Because I was so accommodating, he figured out what was going on in mm. my head, right? I will never forget. He's at the podium. You know, yeah, this is how John. This how John is. You know? yeah. He's he puts a legal pad in front of his hand, and then he he does this to me. Okay. He he knows what I'm thinking, right? I promise you, I never said a word. But he's no dummy. Yeah. yeah. Right? So the bill passes. And then all of a sudden, the word goes out that, you know, Jesse's going to retire from legislature. And he's going to become a judge. Hmm. Okay? And that's exactly what
0: happened. Interesting. Okay. And what exactly was the CLEO bill? Like, what did that do?
1: Council on Legal Educational Opportunity. When I was a uh, the summer before I go to law school, mm-hmm. the federal program was uh, they divided up the country into sections. And I was in the Midwest, and I went to Ohio State okay. for six weeks. Many law school, primarily uh, blacks, Hispanic women. I say non-traditional. Mm-hmm. Okay, With, there were some uh, white males, but not too many. Okay, it was it was it was extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was like, in our class, I think it was 40, right? But it was very diverse. Gingrich killed that, right? Mm. So, Shepard established an Indiana CLIO. Same thing. They rotated it between the law schools. And in, in addition to the training, scholarship. My, in my day, back in the 70s, early 80s, yeah, uh, yeah early 80s, 81 is when I went. It was 1,000 a year, okay? doesn't sound like much, but back then, law school was only $5,000 at IU, right? So that was one-twentieth, was 20% stipend. That's a lot of money.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, when Shepard, I forget it was. It was much more, Indiana program, because the cost had going up. But so it was a combination of you're, you're, you're reaching out, trying to recruit minority uh, law students, give them some training so that when they... Go to law school. It's not like a shock. It's a yeah. shock anyway, but that six weeks did help me prepare and provided some financial assistance. So it was a winner all the way around. It was one of Shepard's great programs, and I was honored to uh, work with him on it. Yeah. Okay. So
0: uh, looking back, how would you summarize your time as a legislator?
1: It was the most dynamic uh, period of my life.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Because you know the old expression: "You're a uh, jack of all trades, master of none." But we got we got we painted with a broad brush, and we affected everything in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. With a broad brush. When I was a judge, it was just the opposite. It's with a laser. You're only impacting the people in front of you, but you're impacting them directly and immediately. Sure. Right? The exact opposite. Two different jobs, but the legislature. You know, we touched everyone's life. And it was, so there's no no more dynamic uh, process than the legislative process. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I know you've talked about a lot of different fascinating stories, but do you have a favorite story from your service?
1: My dad was dying. His heart was given out. The last conversation I had with him about business, government, was in January of 99. And I said, hey, I think this is the year the wrongful death bill is going to pass. They're finally going to give me a hearing in the Senate. And I remember his voice was very weak, mm-hmm. but it was clear. And I just remember him saying, that's good. So when the bill passed, I remember I'm missing the garden. Yeah. Thinking of my dad and my sister. Because my mother always believed the hospital messed up with my sister. Uh, okay, yeah. And she, my mom, taught, was a very adamant about control. But in a moment of anger, she said, The hospital owes us what they did to Kathy. Uh, I know that's a mother talking Mm -hmm. after losing her daughter. But I knew there was a lot of pent-up anger. And so my dad died two weeks later, so he never saw the bill pass. So when the bill passed, and I got the call from Governor O'Bannon's staff that they were going to have the signing in the office, and of course you wanted to be there. Yeah. And so just before I left, I called my mom. And I says, I've never involved my, my, my mom in my politics ever. Mm-hmm. She was my number one voter. Yeah. But she, she was never on the on the stumps with me. Okay? And they were—she wasn't a Mrs. Kennedy, okay? Sure. But I told her what was going to happen. I I said, would you like to come down with me? She said, of course. And so she came into the governor's office for the first time and only time of her life. She sat—they sat her down. The room was filled with people because there were shifts of groups getting in there for their picture of the governor on variety Bills. But we had a pretty large contingent yeah. with our group. And it was the trial lawyers, it was the senior citizens' groups, it was Harry Wilson, his mm-hmm. father. And I'll never forget, you know, of course, governor sat, he sat in the middle, and he says, Jesse, I don't want you to sit here. And then Senator Alex sat on yeah, the other side, he was my sponsor in the Senate. And Governor Torm turn, turn, turns to me and he says, "You know, because you know, he he knew what happened a few years earlier. his Emily's stuff, okay?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "Jesse, I know this is a real big one for me too." Yeah. And my mom saw it. I kept it together better, better than I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I I, I, can't, I can't explain this
0: no no I understand I mean yeah being able to look back and think of it now in reflection is I think the the moment you know has passed and now you can really just feel how much that was impactful um yeah that's that's pretty amazing so looking back uh on your service, were there any particular lessons that you felt that you learned?
2: Well, I mean,
1: well, the most important lesson was you can't accomplish anything of significance on your own in the General Assembly. You have to have 51 votes in the House, 26 votes in the Senate, and a commitment from the Governor. And then you're right. Then you're right. Because so many times, you know, we argue, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. It's, you know, we're the 49th state in the country. Or, yeah. You know, whatever, Right, okay? Right, Well. When you get the majorities and you get the commitment, then you're right. Until then, it's just an argument. So that's the most important lesson: that you you, you can't do things on your own. Uh, you have to work together. And of course, because our caucus is very diverse, uh, that wasn't always easy. Okay. You 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 have. Uh, you know, uh, a caucus that you know. Uh, we had our own Mason-Dixon line, okay? Forty, right? I'm from Lake County. Might as well be, you know, uh, New York City, as far as you know. Some of these folks, you know, in Indiana. Yeah. Yet, we we enjoyed each other, okay? Even if we were fighting. The caucus. And I've never, I've never, I didn't have that in any other group that I worked with. The appreciation for the other members' point of view. Um, There was a lot of tolerance in our caucus. Um, And it served, I think, the caucus. But by extension, you know, we were able to get a lot of good things done in our time in the majority. And, again, two weeks ago, a month ago, seeing my members from our caucus, from the Senate, Republican caucuses, all that political stuff is vanished. People whom I didn't like personally, first name, shake hand, Mm -hmm. warmth, genuineness. Respect. Uh, so, it, it, everyone who has served, even if they didn't serve together, because there were some newer, newer retirees there that I didn't know until recently, that common bond of service in the General Assembly
2: mm-hmm.
1: is uh, the strongest professional bond I've ever had, and I, when that, and now that I'm retired. You know, I'm sure I'll never be belong to a group with that kind of identity, uh, and uh, certainly influence naturally, uh, but more than influence, the bond, common bond. Uh, much more so than the judiciary, although again, I, I, I never considered what I did as judge work. Right, right. Uh, but it's individual. whereas. You know, and the, you know, you're sitting at the head as chairman, but I always wanted to get everyone behind it, everyone, but a good majority behind every bill. When you're a judge, you got to there ain't no committee; you're the one, one voting. They can appeal you, of course, but it's different. And I really enjoy the camaraderie of legislature. Mm-hmm. I I loved those trips to IU. Okay. Yeah. For the basketball games football games. I enjoy going to Purdue, you know, for the games. Uh, you know, it was just a, a great experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, did you have any regrets as legislator? No. Uh, no.
1: No, I, uh, no. I haven't okay. had any regrets. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators?
1: Well, well, I understand the dynamics of maintaining majorities. Okay? Mm-hmm. Anyone with power is not in the business of giving it up. Okay? Right. In fact, power it literally is taken. It's not given. Mm-hmm. So I I read these stories about how we they should pass a redistricting commission and put non-political people in charge of the mapping process. Yeah, That's never going to happen. Mm. Okay? Never. Because the people who control the map making process is not going to give up their power. So it's not going to
2: happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Having said that, Even in majorities, pendulum swing. Okay. Yeah. And you got to remember, you're not always gonna be riding high. And that you better you better remember that the person you step over. Okay. And and if you take advantage of them, they're gonna remember that. So I would suggest they consider, you know, you know consequences of, of 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 ruthlessness, because there will be consequences. Yeah. Having said that, it's all about building things. I think I think we were in a unique position. We're lucky. I was lucky to be down here when the the party rose, because once we got into power, there was so much that we could do, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if if you were in the majority forever, you want to kind of maintain status quo, because things are running the way you want them. We did a lot. And so I would say, because the, the community is dynamic, changing, right? We need to keep the laws up to date with what's going on in the communities. Sure. The status quo doesn't always work. Yeah. Because the underlying people are changing and the issues are changing. And it's hard to get change, you know, when you've got dominance, okay? But the Democrats will come back As hard as it is mechanically to envision it, because again, he just got two large counties and college towns, and they've got their work cut out for him. Yeah, okay.
0: What would you say is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly?
1: The most important work? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know. By the Constitution, the only bill that needs to pass is the budget. Mm -hmm. So that affects everyone. Right. So that's by definition the most important. Sure. Okay? Uh, The most important thing about a legislator is listening. I can't tell you how many people, early on, I learned this lesson, going... To the legions, going to the VFWs, going to the posts, going to any group that and, and and it served me well because I it I had a disadvantage because I was so young. Okay? And I felt I was, you know, I learned a lot at IU, I was just book smart. Okay? Yeah. But I didn't really know life. So I would sit and listen to these old timers, okay, and they would go on, and I can't tell you how many guys said or women said, "You listen to me, I'm going to vote for you just because, not because they got me to pin me down on a position, mm. right? I listened to them. Yeah, but you know, in in, in the in, in the early part, it was easy because I didn't know a whole lot. Okay, so don't try and pretend to be something you're not. Sure. All right but i didn't realize how advantageous it was to listen to these people who had been around and then you got them on your side yeah and you got them forever and the other thing is and i this was this is what i guided myself when i was a judge as much as i dealt with the top people okay governors and speakers and powerful lawyers and, you know, judges and lobbyists, <laughs> I always believed that as long as I fulfilled the expectations of Joe and Jane Lake County, and who is that? Joe and Jane Lake County don't have the time to pay attention to the ins and outs of government. They're too busy raising their own families. Yeah. Raising their kids, working, putting food on the table. But they vote. They are active voters. And all they really want, they don't want contracts, right? They don't want favors. They want good schools. They want courts run, honestly. They want their streets clean and their parks available for the children to plan The big stuff, okay? Right, right. And every now and then they're going to pay attention to you to make sure your priorities are those general good government operations. And again, once they know we trust Jesse, you got them. And then you don't want to break their trust. Because, but those are the people that every day when I stepped on the bench, that's what I thought about. That's who that's who I'm performing for. Not the big shots, okay? Yeah. That are coming in, all right? Or the you know everyone loves going to the governor's office. There's an aura there, you know. Everyone likes you know you know going to the golf course or you know, hamming it up, right? But that's that's not the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. The bread and butter are the anonymous people who you have to earn their trust. And then once you have it, you better not break it.
0: Sure, yeah, that's, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, what would you say the public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it
1: operates? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that they would be amazed at how how deals get cut in the dark. Yeah, okay? okay. You know, you think, my mom would always joke about how she was raised thinking that it's always about a show of hands, okay? Yeah, right, yeah. Hey, mom, it ain't that way, Yeah. <laughs> all right? Yeah. No. It's often a couple people meeting in a coffee shop, right, or you know, in a in back room, right? And it's amazing the influence that a couple people have in the General Assembly. And even on, on the budget, you're talking, you know, billions of dollars. Now is what's, it's what's, heck, this next budget because it's, the economy is doing so well. I think I left it, it was $30 billion every two years. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's close to 40 in a biennial budget. And you're talking six people. In a room, cutting cutting the pie up. Yeah. So, do the people think that six people? I elected you to you know be my advocate, Jesse. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> and, and and it's kind of hard to say you know, uh, unless you're on that budget committee. And, and, and it's it's yeah. it's we have votes of course, on the, and you know I always like the um, um, committee of a whole in the mm-hmm. house when we have the budget. Everyone's a member of the Ways and Means Committee. Okay. That's a controlled vote, okay? I mean, you, you don't get any, uh, uh, you know, Molotov cocktails right. passing Yeah. the committee the whole. So even though we're, you know, it's theoretically open, it's all controlled.
0: Right. There's a little hierarchy there. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, how has the state of India changed over the course of your lifetime?
1: <sighs> I'm, I'm disappointed. This COVID thing has mm. really disappointed me. I always believed, you know, the IU, I, I come from the IU school. Yeah, okay? yeah. Okay, which is, you know, we do the right thing for the right reasons, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they're not perfect. The experts aren't perfect. Right. Right? But they know more than you know, right? mm mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, politically, you should use the experts to take the heat. Yeah. Right? I cannot believe now we're not as bad as some of the southern states, but we're not much better mm-hmm. on on our response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And it clearly has been politicized. I uh, you know when IU took a stand and the case went to the Supreme Court, they were affirmed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Mandatory vaccines. Thank God. Yeah. But then right off the bat, you know, the Getting bashed by by people that shouldn't be bashing. Mm. For IU you doing the right thing? Sure. And 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 I can't believe was was over fifteen thousand Hoosiers have died. seven hundred and fifty thousand across the country, but fifteen thousand in Indiana. Yeah. That's almost my hometown. Yeah. Griffith. Two years ago, you told me that was going to happen. I said you're crazy. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. And it could have been mitigated, but people were more interested in, in political advantage, and they put people at risk. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like
0: politics has crept into every aspect of the society right now.
1: <laughs> and again, to me. The experts are a political ally of yours. Mm-hmm. You can blame them. i got to do this because they're telling me this has to be done.
2: Right.
1: I believe in your right of independence and all that business, but this, people are dying here. And that's not breaking through.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Very disappointing. Um.
0: What enduring qualities would you say the people of Indiana still have or hold dear?
1: Modesty, okay? Um, yeah, modesty. We're not, we're not flashy. We work hard, okay? Um, we, we enjoy our families. Mhm. Okay. Uh,
0: last question then. Um, what do you want the people of Indiana to know about their role? in the Indiana General Assembly.
1: Well, we need we need more Jane and Jolie counties, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I think I think there are too many people who expect you know, they want yeah. they want insight. <laughs> right, okay? right. And they don't see the big picture. Mhm. This what we take care of. Jane and Jolie County are, you know, they don't want the contract, the job the favor. They want you to do your job right. And we got too many people who are, you know, who are played to, they're pandered to, and then they're only interested in their own well-beings. Sure. Yeah. We need to be more common-based, community-based. I know I hope we get back to that. You would you would think you would think, you know, when after 9/11, okay? When the country did come together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It took a tragedy. And this covid thing is 9/11s every 3 days. Yeah. And it hasn't had the same cohesion. Yeah. It's 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 divided us. And I... I believe, you know, eventually we're going to come to terms, but how many people have died is... It's just mind-boggling. Sure. And it could have been mitigated.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, um... Is there anything that I didn't ask about
1: that you want to mention at all, or did we cover the bases pretty well? Yeah, I think you did. You did. Uh, you did some research on me, so that's. I appreciate that. Actually.
0: Yeah. No. I thought that was that was really interesting, and uh, figured it'd be fun to talk about some extra stuff that yeah. not everything's gonna pop into someone's head. You know, when you're talking. No, so. No.
1: no I've, I've enjoyed this. I don't know how much time we've taken, but I've I've enjoyed. It looks this, like
0: we it. hit the three-hour mark. So pretty good. Yeah.